0: Welcome to the Tournament Poker Edge podcast, brought to you by tournamentpokeredge.com, the only podcast dedicated exclusively to tournament poker strategy. And now, here are your hosts, Ron Fez Buddy and Killingbird. Hello everyone, welcome to the Tournament Poker Edge podcast. I am Killingbird, here as always with my good friend Ron Fezbuddy. How are you, sir?
1: Excellent, sir. How are you?
0: I'm doing amazing. I am uh, freezing my ass off <laughs> and waiting to go to Vegas where it's warm.
1: <laughs> exactly what, what degree temperature is it in North Carolina right now?
0: It's probably like, I'm going to guess 45 or 50, but that's, like, that's probably 20 in North Carolina. Yeah, terms. <laughs> I mean, it's,
1: it's 27 degrees in New York right now, so F you. How about that? Yeah. How about well, that?
0: It's supposed to be the South. We'll just <laughs> have warm weather. That's true. Right That's true. <laughs> no, no such luck. But, uh, uh, but aside from that, things are good. Uh, I've been grinding a lot online, although it's been like the most break-even month uh. or month and a half of my life, like literally just sitting there break-even all the time, which I guess there's a, <laughs> there is a, wor- a worse alternative. Uh. Um, so I'll take break-even over – being down thousands of dollars, but uh, yeah. it'd be nice to be winning, too. It,
1: it sucks to be break-even at the end of a month, though. I mean, yes, I agree. Better than down, but you just, it just it feels like a waste of time. <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah. That is uh, that is the life of an MTT player, yeah. though, right? Yeah. I mean, you just got to get used to it. How's poker been for you?
1: Uh, it's been pretty good. I've been uh, playing Bodog a bit. Um, doing all right there, pretty pretty even as well recently, you know. But I haven't had a lot of volume. I was actually in Vegas for work uh, last week, and I got to play a couple of nights in the cash games. Uh, left up a couple hundred bucks, so I was happy with that. Um, no, nice. no big buy in, but um, I think I was playing. I was playing one two, and I was up a couple hundred bucks, and then I lost a little bit in some drunken blackjack. So. I was still up for
0: the trip. It's good to know that even you are susceptible to the drunken blackjack. Oh, that makes me very happy. Oh, I'm very
1: susceptible to the drunken blackjack. In fact, I am a blackjack fish, without a doubt, a blackjack fish. Oh, really? Yes, because I don't have the patience for blackjack, right? So especially from drinking. When I was with a bunch of coworkers and we were having a really good time, um, yeah. you know, all right, right, we're playing, I think we're playing the $15 table, and it's, you know, $15, $15, $15. And I was doing fine. And then you get bored. And then it's like 25, 50. <laughs> then you win a couple. And it's like, okay, 75.
2: <laughs> yeah. It's like,
1: in one, it, like, an hour ago, I couldn't imagine I was doing that. But I just get hit with that boredom. And I know it's a leak. I absolutely know it's a leak. But I also know it's entertainment for me. So I don't give a shit. Yeah.
0: It is it is really hard to sit there and win $5 a right. time. That's right. That's
1: right. I can't. Painful. I can't. I'm like. I, that's why I don't play cash games either. I love tournaments. I love the thrill of the big score. You know that big prize right. at the top. That's it's it's the uh, it's my nature. So I, uh, but I know I know I go there and I pretty much assume I'm going to lose like hundred bucks in blackjack because like I really don't play much. But I think we played two nights and I lost like three. So whatever. Yeah. But I won. Yeah. That's
0: that's like breaking even. Yeah. yeah I was up
1: five in poker, so it was fine. I went. I left. Yeah. I left with money, um, except for uh, well, make that I was. I was up two, except for the fifty dollars we spent at the in and out on the way to the airport. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's worthwhile. Experience. Oh my god, um, du- double animal? Do you know of this beast? The animal? Oh, yeah, I knew nothing, oh, nothing about from
0: it from the hidden menu. That's right.
1: That's right. I knew nothing about it. But I we ha- we eat. There were four four of us, including a woman, and we each had two of them on the way to the airport. Because, <laughs> like I said, well, we finished the. Um, the conference, I, you know, I was there for a trade show, um, a, a software uh, conference, and um, and we, we packed everything up by two p.m. and our flight wasn't until ten. So there was blackjack, there was poker, there was drinking, and then there was double atoms <laughs> at the end.
0: <laughs> that is awesome. Uh, 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 speak, speaking of Bavada. Uh, it's been a while since we have talked about. It oh, you know what? One, one should, last thing.
1: Should... One last thing on Vegas. Yeah. It's so weird to be there for non-poker reasons too. Like, oh, i bet It's so weird to land. Like, I I feel like I live a double life. <laughs> I actually, <laughs> actually kind of do because most of the time when I land in Vegas, it's for the World Series and it's exciting. You know, we're you know going to the house, right? And we'll talk about that coming up in a little bit. But when I land there for a conference and like I start walking, t- you know, to get a cab and. I'm going there for a conference. It's completely, it's completely
0: different. Right. It's a
1: different feeling.
0: You're like, oh, I have to get over there and plug my computer yeah. in and set up the projector. And yeah, then.
1: <laughs> and then I start looking at the nightly tournament schedules, and I'm like, oh, I wonder if I can make that. that, that. <laughs> but I ended up uh, I ended up going to a lot of dinners. Uh, we were at Mandalay Bay, and I will say that um, the Italian restaurant in Mandalay Bay, uh, I think it's called Lupo. Uh, hold on. Let me look it up. Mandalay Sorry, people. <laughs> Just wait for my uh, <laughs> live
0: Googling. <laughs> um,
1: if, you, if, if you go to Mandalay, Lupo, yeah, I was right. If you go to Lupo in Mandalay Bay, it's fantastic, the food. And um, get the uh, fettuccine with the mushroom sauce, I, with the grilled chicken. It, it was great. So that's my suggestion. I actually want to go there again during the World Series. Uh, it wasn't cheap, but it was really good.
0: Yeah, i have to do a little team,
1: dinner, a little team there. dinner. Yeah, there you go. Let's maybe make our oh, team okay. dinner there.
0: Nice. Cool. Um, so yeah, so I was going to say, like, it's crazy how big Bavada's is getting amazing. in the United States. I almost don't want to say anything because I don't want any more people to come over there and start <laughs> <I think it's, laughs> you know, taking the money from the face. I think it's but... too late.
1: I don't think there's anything you can do about it. I think it's like the way training sites um, – we've always you know, heard some people griping at training sites and making the game tougher. You can't stop it. Once you uncork the bottle, it's going gonna, it's gonna to pour. So there's nothing, nothing you can do.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. But, but I mean, even like their, you know, their nightly flagship tournament or whatever you want to call it, it was like a 25K like four months ago. Right. And now it's a 35K. Right. Right. And it and it gets like 42K a night. So it's a matter of time before they make it a 40K, I'm sure. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's going to be like the 50K, the 5050 on PokerStars. Yeah. Point, which is actually kind of comforting. It, it makes it feel like 2007 again. I feel like seven years younger. <laughs> <a> yeah. Tournament. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I lost the ability to play on Pokerhost recently because of some stuff going down with them and Merge, so I, I had to move a lot of my action over to, to Bovada, but I can play I can play 25 tournaments a night on there without much trouble. Yeah,
1: I don't see uh, any reason to play anywhere else. I mean, I guess there are reasons to play other places, but I, I'm consolidating my play there. I've actually consolidated almost all of my play there
3: in yeah. uh, a
1: couple of weeks. Oh, they actually, I'm looking at it now, they made, they made the $10K, $10, dollars k 10 dollars point five k That's cool. They've, raised They've basically raised everything um, recently, and, you know, and what, it's getting to the point where, like, I, I, you know, since Black Friday, I've just played very recreationally. Um, not, very, I wouldn't say very recreationally. I, I've played a bunch, but I haven't kept a lot of money on there. Like, I've I've taken money out whenever I've run it up, and right. and then I would put in if I had to. But I'm wondering if I should start managing like true bankroll again and. You know, and actually, yeah. Play like I basically what I'm saying is I play above the money, the, the the money I have on there, right? Like I'm not rolled for the that 35, that 35k, the 55 dollars 35k at all. Yeah. With what I keep on there, so I'm run, I'm definitely approaching a risk of ruin the way I play there, because I also know I, if I need to, I can just redeposit because it's cashed out. Sure. But I'm wondering if I should treat it more like a, a serious bankroll. I mean, I guess the
0: average answer is yes, but. Yeah, I mean, it's getting to the point where you you really could, and you can make some pretty serious money. Yeah. I mean. I know people who aren't in the United States are probably listening to this and going, well, that doesn't sound very exciting. Yeah. <laughs> but you've you got to realize that we've been playing like 2K guarantees yeah. and 5K guarantees for a long time. So, yeah. you know, to have, I'm guessing right now, but I'm going to say on Bovada, there's probably five tournaments a night that are 10K or greater guaranteed. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's a pretty good selection to have in the United States right now. Yeah. So,
1: yeah. I, I, I definitely enjoy it there. Uh, the, the standard gripes apply, you know, no sync breaks. It's hard to do HUD stuff on there. Yeah. Do people, I, you know, I should be more educated on this, but are you do, are you doing a HUD? Are people doing a HUD? I know you can, and I guess. Yeah,
0: uh, <clears throat> you can, and I'm currently not, but I'm about to very are soon. Are you? Okay.
1: Uh, Let me know what you think.
0: I believe it's Hold'em Indicator, which works on Bovada. Okay. And of course, it only works for that tournament. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. It's, because it's anonymous. Yeah, that's so fine. So, re- you know, reset. That's fine. It's better than nothing. Uh, but yeah, especially because when you really need it is when you get deep, yeah. and by then you got some hands on hopefully some people, and you know it's going to help a little bit. And one of the big things, and um, Mark Alioto and I were talking about this the other day, is that the number of people or the percentage of people on Bovada using a HUD is probably like so low, right. like ten percent or something, right? So if you if you're using one, even if it's only giving you a small edge, right. it's giving you a you know it's giving you a small edge on a ton of people.
1: That's right, and that is very much like the advantage we had back in the day because I was using a HUD like as I was using the Poker Ace HUD. I don't know if you remember that. That was the
0: oh wow the OG.
1: The o, I was using the OG HUD. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I actually remember people talking about it all the time, and I'm like, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't understand why you would want. Yeah, it. <laughs> I
1: don't remember. God, I don't even remember how it worked. I don't remember if it had to be integrated with. Uh, like it had to be integrated with poker truck. Tra- no, I think I, I used poker office. Yeah, that's right. Poker office had a HUD, but it wasn't even on the table. The poker office. I don't, do you remember poker office? Did you ever use it? Yes. It was the first. I could be wrong about that, those.
0: It, it was. It was basically its own window, right? Yeah,
1: it was. It was a, a stats tracking software, so it was like the yeah. early hold the manager, the early poker tracker, and but and they had a HUD, but it wasn't on the table. It was just like in their their own window, so you keep it open right. on your you know fourteen inch monitor you'd have <laughs> these things open too.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not very useful for multi tabling.
1: No, no. But you know, but also you probably were not multi tabling twenty tournaments at the time. It was right. I mean, I think I would play four remember those FTP, um, sit and goes that were like forty five man sit and goes? Oh uh, like yeah. Like three forty five, eight forty five, twenty. I built like such a role on those. Oh man, yeah. they were so soft. People like even I mean basic push-fold, like 2007 advanced push-fold, hmm. you know, because I was definitely there at that time. People had no idea how to, how yeah. to play push-fold at all, so it was super easy.
0: So. And then people would call you, and they would have, like, 7-8 seven, eight, seven, eight suited, they'd like, what are you yeah, doing? Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. You're shoving nine bigs yeah. with 7-8 suited? <laughs>
1: you get yelled at a lot. A, yeah. a lot, yeah. Too funny,
0: but yeah. So positive things, I guess, happening yeah. to some degree on the on the U.S. poker front. So we'll, we won't ramble anymore because I'm sure our German listeners are <laughs> tired of hearing about it. But Don't,
1: um, well, they've just been laughing at us the whole time.
0: <laughs> yeah, they're like, "Oh, I'm 20-tabling right yeah, now." Right. All and all of them are 10K yeah. plus Yeah. <laughs> uh speaking of exciting poker stuff uh world series of poker is only what two months away wow
1: i yeah you know, once you hit april which is coming up it's really going to feel close i mean it's already starting to feel close but once you know it's like officially in the next month even though right. it's not till the end of the next month it's uh it's starting to feel close yeah I can't wait. yeah
0: that yeah that's when it starts to feel real and I, I assume by now you've sort of hashed out your schedule to some degree yeah, yeah, and yeah. you kind of know yeah got plan i'm
1: coming out the first weekend for the millionaire maker and some other tournaments there if i don't make it deep Um, so I'm going to bookend the the whole thing so the beginning and the end and then I'm coming back for the main event
0: yeah that's going to be that's going to be a blast this this would actually be an interesting year for me because I in the past I've always pretty much focused on like Venetians wins yeah Binions you know and then I would play like one or two WSOP events Um, so this year my plan is sort of completely reversed to where I'm playing exclusively World Series events I'm sure that I'll end up plugging in, like, yeah. you know, there's going to be a day where I'm like, oh, shoot, I busted it at one. What am I going to do now? And I'll run over and play, like, the Caesars-Bagast well, and, and I know
1: you, and I, I know if, like, I know you're probably going to want to, like, if you have, like, a, a, a little bit of a bad variance run, like, and you just want to kind of get away from the 1Ks for a little while, you'll, you're fine yeah. going down to the 400s and, and kind of working it out there. Which yeah, I think yeah. is a great plan, by the way. I think that makes a lot of sense. Like, if you drop down after playing, you'll feel less pressure. I'm already coaching you for the for the bad <laughs> – for when you're not feeling it. Right? <laughs> so think about this, Derek, when you're uh, – when, <laughs> when things are rough. Just think,
0: When you brick everything. When you brick everything. <laughs> no, but what I,
1: – I, I mean, I just know you well enough, and I think it's a good plan. You know, if the inevitable – Bad run, because we're we're all going to have it. I I think it's great to drop down a little bit. And and given the fact that you can do that in Vegas live, that's great, right? You have options. It's great, because then you feel no pressure, you have fun, and you can actually probably break some bad habits. Like if you're you're starting to play nitty, because you're running bad, and you don't want to bust, and all those things, you'll probably work it out. at So it's good, you know. But that said, I'm glad you're playing the WSOPs, because... Like really, Yuma, you have a huge edge on on those fields. Yeah, the, the no limit tournaments, the massive fields. Like you should be right. playing those. Absolutely. Yeah,
0: I'm I'm definitely excited about it. I mean, it'll be it'll be the first time where I've really kind of like said, okay, let's go for this and try to win a bracelet. I mean. I realize that's a huge aspiration, but, you know, I I mean, like I said, in the past, I think last year I maybe played two, I think the year before I played one, I mean, I just haven't really ever delved deep into them, so it's going to be fun. What what I'm really wondering is if they're going to have those Carnival of Poker events at the Rio again this year, because Mark and I played that last year. Yeah, yeah,
1: I I wonder. They they haven't announced anything about that, right?
0: No, I haven't seen a single word about it, and and I'm excited for them to do so, because I would love to be able to just like – especially because the house we rent is, what, uh, two minutes from the yeah, Rio? So right. it's, it's so nice to be able to just go there, now, <laughs> just play all the events there. If we're
1: daydreaming here and you make a final table and I'm not there, how am I going to get there? Like you're, you're, how, what time would you you'd make it late Vegas time? Like would I have enough time to get there for the final table? Oh, no, I wouldn't because it's those, those, don't, those don't start the final table the next day, right? It usually plays into the final table.
0: That's a good question. Yeah, right. I'm trying to remember. No, no, they
1: they don't. I mean, I've been around there long enough. They they don't start day three with the final table. It's usually like they start day three with 27 people left, and then the final table.
0: Right. They just go right into right it. Right into it. So, yeah. Well, if you make
1: it, I probably won't be there unless it's the Millionaire Maker or the or the main event. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I'll make sure I'm there for if you.
0: Yeah, if it's the main event, you better be there. <laughs> Even if you bust, you can't go home. <laughs> so
1: pumped for the main event. Uh, and I, I took off last year, like I do the every other year thing right now, and I'm so pumped for it this year.
0: Yeah, I've never played it, so I, I've sort of had the the front row seat watching everybody else in the TPE house play it. But this will be my first year, so pretty excited to uh, sit down with thirty thousand chips in front of me and see how fast yeah. I can get rid of it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I wonder if you're going to have the same kind of feeling that I had or a lot of other people have the first time they played a main because the first time I played the main was pretty early in my WSOP career. Like, it, yeah. I think I played it in two thousand nine, which was the first WSOP, I think it might have been the first WSOP event I even played. So, you know, you are you You know, you're used to the Rio; it's not new for you. You know, like I walked around, I kind of, <laughs> I got a sense of like what mm-hmm. the, uh, you know, what the, what it felt like to be amongst all those tables. So, naive and uh, you know, innocent. Right. <laughs> um, oh, there's Chris Ferguson. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, you know what? Phil Hellmuth definitely stands out. He's so tall. Like, really, oh It yeah. really just stands out. You can, you know, he, was, he was there at the feature table when I walked in. But, um, but I wonder if you're going to have that feeling or it's just going to feel like I, – I, you know what? It doesn't feel like just another tournament for anyone. I think everyone kind of gets a sense that it's different, and you'll feel that. Yeah,
0: and I'm sure that the sense of excitement varies a little bit, but I think for everybody it's the tournament they get the most excited That's right. for.
1: That, yep, I agree with that, and it will be the one that takes the longest to recover from.
0: Yeah, I've already prepared myself mentally just, for that. Just be
1: prepared, everyone. I've
0: stocked up on the beer and whiskey. For <laughs> them
1: well, you need about three months of it because it's that long.
0: Yeah. So. Luckily, I work at a brewery. <laughs> <laughs> I got plenty. Good. <laughs> I love you. Uh, so I know we um, we both have put packages together for the summer. We're selling a little action yeah. for, uh, for the World Series. Um, so, that, you know. That's something I've done a lot of in the past, but it's always been for smaller events. So it's been kind of interesting to be selling a pretty, you know, big size package in the in the market, you know, the quote unquote marketplace out there, and, and kind of seeing the reaction and stuff. But it almost seems like there's a like a more positive or a more uh, liberal spending of money going on. And I don't know if that's because people got money back from Full Tilt.
1: I think that might be or, part of it. Yeah.
0: Yeah, or maybe you know, I, I also think. When, they're guaranteeing 10 million for first. The field's probably going to be pretty big because we're running satellites online, yeah. which they've never done in the past. Right, so, right. May, you know, maybe people are just feeling like there's even more value than there has been in the past. But so far, I feel like there's this sort of excitement about it from a. But it's also early, so we'll see. Uh, how it's going to
1: be a big field this year, because I and I don't yeah. attribute that necessarily to the 10 million, although I, I think people are. I think it more has to do with the satellites and the FTP money. Um, I, mm-hmm. I think it's I think it's going to be a pretty big field this year, so it should be exciting. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it'll be fun to see. Um, why I know that we... Oh, go ahead.
1: Well, I was going to say, why don't, why don't you explain what you mean by packet putting, posting a package? Because a lot of people
0: might not know exactly what you mean by that. Yeah, so essentially what happens is, and, and this is, I think is my third year doing this, and, I, and, and I've done it for smaller events too, circuit events and stuff like that. So I've probably sold I'm going to guess seven or eight packages. And by a package, it essentially means you put together a list of the tournaments you're going to play right? and you post that in a forum, in this case, it happens to be the two plus two forum, but you might post it on, you know, any number of forums that you frequent, right. or you might just talk to your friends yeah. and say, hey, I got I'm playing these ten tournaments, it's ten k in buy-ins, and typically what you'll do is you'll charge a little bit of a markup, and that markup should, I guess, represent what you think your uh, your EV is in that tour- you know, in those right. tournaments. So, you know, if you think your ROI is thirty percent, you should probably be able to charge a little bit more than just straight. You know, so say it's ten K in buy-ins, you're not just charging a uh, hundred dollars for one percent. Right. You're gonna charge maybe like a buck ten. Right. Or a buck fifty or hundred and fifteen dollars, whatever. Right. Um so you know, so generally you'll charge a little bit of a markup and then people can basically buy pieces and it it gives them an opportunity for a sweat, uh, and it also allows you to sort of minimize variance and also take a little less of a chunk out of your bankroll. Right. So if you you know, you, you might only be putting up four K of the six thousand dollars that you need to, to buy into a bunch of tournaments, but you're also only getting back right. 40-ish percent, depending on how much markup you charge. Right, and
1: that markup is, once again, it's for a couple of things. If you have a, you know, if you perceive you have an ROI, and I think, I mean, I remember the early days of the main event, most people thought, like, you know, decent online regulars had, like, 100% ROI in the tournament. I right. I think now the standard is about 30, like, so.
0: Yeah, I've seen a lot of packages at, like, one percent Three, yeah,
1: one, so like, two, five. So basically, since the ter- let's just use the main event as an example, if you are selling, let's just one percent, which would you know cost a hundred dollars at a straight no markup, just out of your own pocket. If you were paying for yourself, it would cost you a hundred dollars for one percent. The markup then it would means that you would pay hundred and thirty dollars for that one percent, and you would be entitled to one percent of the winning. So if that person won. $100,000, you would win 1000 If that person won $20,000, you would win two hundred. So, you know, if they cash, you're, you're, you're going to make money. But, of course, you know, the chances are they're not going to cash. So, you, you know, the standard tournament risks apply. Um, yeah. But you're paying a little bit of markup for the skill and a little bit of markup for, I guess, the person... Just, you know, I guess it's more for skill than anything else, right? It's
0: not for... Yeah, but I do think there's a little bit of, like, it's not a big part, but there is a factor, I guess, of, hey, I'm the one flying out there, you know, putting up money to stay, putting up money to drive back and forth, buying food, you know? Yeah. So, and there's definitely, you know, the buyer is probably doing more of a favor than the player most of the time, I guess, but, but you you know... Nobody's going to pay more than they they think it's worth. So at the end of the day, it's sort of a a right. free market. You know, people will pay what they think. Right,
1: and the markups have yeah. gone down considerably for non WSOP main event. I mean, like just yeah. straight up. I mean, even what's the what's the markup for WSOP? Like just standard WSOP. Um,
0: I'm 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 seeing a wide variety, but anywhere from like one point one, right to 1.35, like right. but not many of that high. Yeah. Like a lot of 1.2s and a lot of 1.15s and stuff like that. Right, and what are you
1: at for the uh... – okay, so you're at – and I see you also did something interesting. Um, why don't you explain like the tiered market that you did?
0: Yeah, so actually this was something that was suggested to me by a couple of people who buy a decent amount of action in the marketplace. You know, they might buy from 50 people for the summer. And um, they were saying that what they like is that is when people give them a, a a little bit of a discount for buying more, because there is a real benefit to having somebody buy a big chunk. Right. It's less money to collect. Yeah. You know, instead of collecting a hundred dollars from ten people, you're collecting a thousand dollars from one. It's just easier, and it ensures you know it gives you a little more insurance that you're going to sell your package out. That's right. That's right. Um, That's right. So what I did based on that feedback um, and what they suggested was charge a little bit higher markup if somebody wants to buy, you know, say 1%, but then maybe you give a little break at 5% right. and then another break at 10%. So I, um, so like for the main, main event, for example, I charged 1.3 markup for 1%, but then if you bought 5%, anywhere from 5 to 9%, you got it at one25 right. And then if you bought anything over 10%, you got it at one2 Right. So it just sort of encourages people to buy a little bit more, yep. hopefully makes it a little less administrative work for you because – I mean, most of the time what's going to end up happening is you're going to collect a bunch of money, and let's say you play 10 events. You, know, you might cash one or whatever right. or two, um, and a lot of times you're going to be paying out a couple hundred bucks to 40 yeah, people who bought from you. Yeah, and that's a pain in the ass. Yeah, it's definitely not easy. Right. Um, I mean, I would take that to the alternative of nobody buying any of your packages. Right, of course. Um, but it still is a lot of work. So, in a perfect world, you know, you hope you get one, two, three people who buy like 10 plus percent, and then you have maybe seven or eight guys who all buy one or two, and you call it a day. And,
1: and how do people get the money to the person posting a package?
0: Varies, it seems to vary a lot. A lot of people want, I mean, I, I've seen some people who are like cash in Vegas only, like they only want somebody to hand them cash. Right. And then you'll see other people who, be, you know, one of the nice things is if you're outside the United States, you'll see a lot of people be like, I can take full tilt. I can right. take stock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the easiest way. Uh, you know, of course, that's not an option for us. Um, bank transfers seem pretty common. You know, so Somebody might say, I can take Bank of America transfers. Uh, and a f- so decent number of people seem to do PayPal, but not a ton. Right. Um, and I'll caution everyone out there, if you're going to send a PayPal transfer <laughs> for buying a piece of anybody's package. Don't mention poker yeah. in the PayPal yeah. transfer when you send it. Right. Um, and I always make sure and tell people that when I'm selling to them too. But right. uh, something to keep in mind: if you if if you're hearing of this idea of selling packages for the first time, you're thinking about doing it, and you're going to accept PayPal. Just make sure you tell your buyers: don't say gambling, don't say poker, don't say World Series. You know, just say, hey, here's my hundred dollars from KB. Right. That makes sense. So, cool. Yeah.
1: Cool. Yeah. And so, yeah, we both have packages up there. You have one for prelim events and another one for main event. You broke them out separately, right?
0: Yep. Yeah. Separate packages. They're in the same thread. Um, and you can find that thread just by visiting my Twitter. I think a lot of people who listen to this probably know my Twitter, but it's Derek Tenbush, D E R E K T E N B U S C H. So, at Derek Tenbush. Um, I've linked it from there, so you can always. Go in there and check it out. It's actually selling pretty good, but there are still a little bit left. So if anybody wants some, grab yep. it
1: up. Yep, and I have a main event package. So I'm going to be – I'm good for the prelims, but I'm going to sell some of the um, – some for the main event. And so I have a similar package just for the main. I have, I have 25% left. So, so actually I have no doubt that that's going to – that's still a lot of time left. So, um, But I would love to have podcasts. Listeners be part of that, especially if we, one of us make a deep run, right? That would be, oh yeah, be <laughs> that'd be fantastic. Do the best, podca- but, yes, best podcast, ever yes, yes. It would have to be like we'd have to do something for anyone who bought from the podcast, like just on the podcast. and Maybe we'll do a roll call of, <laughs> of names. Yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs>
1: no, well, actually, obviously, anyone who buys from the podcast is going to come to the final table. <laughs> <laughs> would be invited oh, yeah. to come to the final oh. table, right? If we made it. Right.
0: Yeah. Anyway, and it's a lot of fun too. I should mention that. I mean, it not only have I sold packages for three yeah. years, but for the last three years, I've also bought. Yeah, yeah, them yeah. I
1: back. buy packages. I, I just love it because it spreads out like like I'm buying, even though I'm selling. Like I'm buying packages because it it spreads out your risk, right? So right. Like. I'm obviously going to buy you and if Mark sells or, and, and a lot of other people who are posting on 2 plus 2 because it's just – you know it reduces the variance and distributes the risk. And it's fun to have little sweats of people, especially if you bust early. <laughs> you want to be able to yeah. have something to root for. So yeah. I, I love that about it. So yeah, so you're right. Um, so it's, it's fun to do. So uh, you can find my package at my Twitter, uh, Fezbuddy. So uh, R-E-Z-F-E-Z. So sorry. I'm sorry. R R O N F E Z? I don't even know how to spell it. Who's gonna want to invest in a guy who came and spelled his, his own name? R-O-N F E Z buddy. And good luck to us. Yes, indeed.
0: Um and if any of you guys are selling packages, yes. let us know. Tweet at us because yeah, we're we'll definitely going to be buying up some pieces. That's right, so.
1: that's right. We'll retweet some of them if you tweet it at us. If you're, if you're uh, buying packages. If you're selling Yeah, them. for sure. Cool.
0: Um so I guess we should into the yeah. the meat of the of the podcast yeah, here we're, uh, speaking
1: of live poker let's talk about this
0: guy yeah this is gonna be fun so uh we're gonna bring in Corey whalen mj23 styles online and um i'm sure if you're a tpa member you know uh how this guy's been crushing live as of late um he had won a ring when he came on to do videos for us he had already won one uh world series of poker circuit ring um But somehow managed to win two more in a month span (laughs) over the last. uh, I guess this was about a month ago now, or maybe three weeks ago. Um, Just crushing, and one one of them was a six max, one of them was a full ring, and it was a multi day entry, multi entry day tournament. So big field. Um, So yeah, just pretty impressive. And actually, he what finished third in a Heartland Poker Tour main event too, like uh, about a month before that. So just on a tear, alive.
1: He crushes. He crushes. Yeah. And he's interesting I think, because, I mean, I've said this about his videos, he's, he's definitely different. He does not play the game as a standard regular. He is controversial, the way he plays the game. Mm-hmm. And I think he's genius. <laughs> I think he's probably just misunderstood. Um, and he obviously has the results to show it. Um, and so he's just, I'm excited to talk to him. And I, love, I can't wait to see what, what he says.
0: <laughs> yeah, it should be interesting. And he's... Um... Uh, I'll actually be getting to hang out with him a little bit after uh, after I get back from my vacation because I'm heading to Cherokee for the circuit event, and he'll be there as well. So um, hopefully maybe a little bit of that MJ23 Styles run good rubs off, and I can you know make a deep run or wintering myself, right. which would be a nice <laughs> thing to have happen. So, uh, so yeah, so let's get him in here. We'll, uh, we'll take a quick break, and we'll come back, talk a little – poker and a little strategy with mj23styles on the tournament poker edge podcast If you are looking for the best MTT training site on the planet, look no further than
3: TournamentPokerEdge.com. Tournament Poker Edge focuses exclusively on multi-table
0: tournaments and features some of the best live and online pros. No waiting through cash game videos looking for the occasional tournament video. Tournament Poker Edge also offers strategy articles, forums, a member chat room, and much more. So visit TournamentPokerEdge.com and start taking your game to the next level now. Everybody, welcome back to the Tournament Poker Edge podcast. Time to bring in our feature guest and our TPE pro for this episode. And I'm gonna do my best to say his name with flavor. <laughs> Corey MJ23 Styles Wallet. Wow. There you go. There you go. <laughs> that was much better
4: than, than like 10 seconds ago. That was, that was yeah. Good. See? All right.
0: By the end of this episode, I'll be nailing. There, there, <laughs> so, uh, there you go.
2: Wallet. So there Yeah. So welcome, welcome
0: <laughs> to the show for sure. Very good to have you on. Thank you. Thank you for uh, having me. And. Let, let's just get right right into the heart of things is it hard to get through daily tasks with three giant rings on your finger <laughs> um <laughs> no
4: nah, i mean like i really i don't even wear them like you know most people i'm sure who win them like well i'm not going to say most people cuz you know like a lot of people who say maybe don't play poker full time or you know don't like you know do this as a full time job like them winning a ring is like oh my god i want a ring and it's like such a <laughs> such like on a pedestal to them like i was even looking whenever I put this this most recent uh Instagram picture up it was like a this this picture of of uh, this sign that I got it says pray big and I just Kind of was, like, in a little creative mindset. Like, when I was in Cali, my buddy Drake is a photographer. And, like, just seeing him do pictures now since I've been back, I'm like, oh, oh this is a good picture. Oh,
2: this will look good.
4: <laughs> so then I got back. I took this picture, and I have the rings up there. And, like, you know, then whenever I was looking on Instagram, um, my my roommate Johnny came in, and he's like, dude, dude, you forgot to, like, hashtag WSOPC. So, I hashed, or so he came in and hashtagged it. I looked at it, and I was just looking through it, and there's, like – so many people that just like, I, you know, my dream is to win a ring. I can't wait to win a ring or on my way here to, you know, in the, you know, you know, ring hunting is like so many people Gosh. to see how yeah. many people actually like truly, truly like, you know, this is like a a, a huge goal to them. It's like, I don't know, it kind of, it's like. I don't know. It's inspiring slash, like, eye-opening to where, like, I definitely don't take them for granted, but at the same time, I know that these are just, like, a stepping stone to, like, you know, where I want to be. Like, these are, you know, rings are nice. Rings are good. You know, my mom loves them. She's like, oh, my God, my son won rings, and she shows pictures, <laughs> but really, to me, this is, like, you know, I don't wear them. I'm not really a, a ring guy. This is just kind of like a like a stepping stone to get where I want to get, and I know... Yeah, you know, even – and I'm not even saying bracelets and just like, oh, I want to win, you know, the main event. And like, obviously that's a, a dream. But just overall just to be successful in life and in poker is kind of, you know, and these rings are just like a stepping stone to help me get there.
0: So for people who um, – I, I think most people uh, who are TPE members certainly know, and a lot of people listening to the podcast probably know as well. But um, two rings in the last, what, about month and a half, right? One in the six max down in, uh, in Florida. And then one in the – like a big multi-day – or, yeah, multi-entry day tournament right out in California?
4: Yeah, it was, uh, I I think it might have been, like, within, like, it was definitely within a month of each other, because cause I, I literally went straight from Florida, went home for, like, three or four days just to kind of get my head straight, hang out with a couple uh, friends and stuff, and then I literally went straight to, uh, to um what do you call it, to Cali. I just flew out, like, I already had the plane flight and everything. It was a matter of going from here to there, hanging out, oh, flying out the next day, and it was...
0: Yeah, that's... And that had come really just kind of off the heels of making a really deep run on the, the Heartland Poker Tour, right, where you finished third, I think, in the main event out there. Yeah. So, I mean, w- it, it, was there something that sort of all of a sudden happened or clicked for you from a, li- a live standpoint where it just sort of all started to come together? Is it just variance? You know, what, what, what's going on?
4: Um. Well, I mean, it's, it's actually a lot of things. Like, and you know, I don't – you know, I have like a – Really, really strong group of friends, like a really – a really solid family. Like they're very, very supportive and just – I don't know. It's like been a number of things. Like like not only – like I I read this book – and, uh, you know, basically, I don't want to make this into, like, you know, beat me trying to sell this other business. But basically, this other business and that, 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 like, I do on the side from poker, it's called Vima. And Vima not only has helped me just grow as a person, but, like, being able to help other people. And just literally, it gives me something to where even if poker isn't going well, I wake up excited just to, like, do Vima. And, like, Vima basically it just started as it's, like, pretty much just vitamins. And, you know, I'm not going to talk much about it. But, but instead of me spending money on Red Bull Monster and, like, you know, and, like, taking Adderall and stuff whenever I go play, one of my buddies brandon he just showed me this verb. He he's like yo man you should try this stuff it's really really good um long story short i seen how successful he got with it and i was like wow you can actually make money with this too and, and actually help people <laughs> and then basically i got involved with this verve and now literally that was back in, in november and actually like, whenever i was uh like whenever i was railing ryan reese to the final table i was on the rail on espn mixing verve and vodkas and i was like drinking verve and vodkas and i was like you know, i didn't really know much about it i just knew it was a real good healthy drink i was excited about it at the time but but i really wasn't doing much with it like you know the reason why i'm doing this basically is because i i love to play poker straight up this is what i do i will always play poker but i want to be able to help my family retire and not have to have my mom working like she is and like my dad is like my dad's not doing too well right now he's um you know he's He's got a lot of health issues going on, and, uh, you know, I want to be able to help my brother as well. So it's basically, you know, poker, we're essentially competing for a living. You know, like every every time, like, you know, I, I've been very, very fortunate to be able to go play, and I've done very well, you know, especially this last year and a half, two years or so. But it's like I know that in poker with these swings and with the cost of travel and just like with, you know, with everything, like, you know, the variance of poker and all the cost of just everything overall, it's like, you know – like you don't really know if you're gonna go win, or like you know you don't know like for the next couple of months, or I could go to Vegas and have a rough summer like I did last year. And it's just overall with poker being the only source of income, I needed something to where not only I can have another source of income to enable me to be able to play poker, but at the same time it's like if poker isn't going well, to have other stuff in your life that is keeping you positive and keeping you like motivated in life, I feel like is super super important. The way that I feel about it, and I will always feel like this, and you know. Like not to get religious on you, but I'm a huge believer in God. Like Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior, so I know none of this would be possible. Or, like none of this would be possible without Him.
1: How'd you get into it, Corey? How, like, give us your your poker story. Did, you know, how long have you been playing? How what was? You, how did you start? Was there anything oh, specific around? Oh, get
4: back! Yeah, uh, basically yeah. playing with friends in, in high school. You know, just yeah. uh, started playing with my buddy uh, Nick Morielli. I remember we would go over to his house, hang out, and it would be me, him, his brother, and um, one other guy. I don't remember his name, and it would just be us four. And this was like probably like a month or two period we were playing, and I would always lose. $20 dollars buy I would just always lose, like, man, get beat again. Man, I right. lose again. And then one time, I remember this guy. I remember what he looked like. I can't remember his name, but he comes in, and he was the fifth guy. And he's like, guys, what are you doing? Why are you not playing the tiebreakers? And then I'm like, what the hell is tiebreakers? And he tells us there was like this sports <laughs> bar literally like two miles down the road. That has these little like five or ten dollar poker tournaments, and I'm like, uh-huh. what? I'm like, why are we not there? So we we <laughs> all leave, we go to play these tournaments. I end up doing better than than everybody else the first time they played. and I was like, wow, you know, like you know, whenever you know, I didn't win or anything, but I did better than them, like you know, and, and you know, it's at that stage where you you just start playing poker, and you're like, oh, you know, I lasted longer than you. Oh, I made it to the second break, and you just think that you're doing better in in terms of how long you last. It was like that regard. Right. And then, right. 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 And <laughs> the second time ever I went to go play, I won the tournament, and I was like, what? And I won the whole thing. It was like 50 or 60 people in it and literally from that day i was like hooked and you know i've always had an addictive personality whether it be skateboarding as a little kid or I, have my, I had my little golf phase you know i went through like different phases as a kid and then i just kind of gave it up and poker was the phase that i guess whenever i realized that i was good with it and then i seen that you deal with people and just how i was being all personable or anyway and like you know that was just my personality and then on top of that you can make money from it i'm like whoa <laughs> my like, oh my god i like this yeah Right. And, you know, and then just my addictive personality. Literally, I started playing almost every day. My mom thought, ugh, like my mom, it, it's so funny because I remember the conversation where she. It got to a point where this was, you know, after probably a year or so playing poker all the time, like just at these bar tournaments. She would call me, "Hey, Cole, what you doing? I'm going to play this poker tournament, ma." And Corey. Corey, and she, like, started crying on the phone because she thought that I had a problem. And she was like, Corey, I really think you need to go to Gamblers Anonymous. Every time I call you, you're playing poker. And I'm like, I'm like Mom, Mom, it's okay, it's okay. It's just a game. And I was just telling her, like, you know, because I was still going to school. I was fortunate. Like, school was always easy to me. Like, I didn't really even need to take notes. I didn't hardly study for tests. Like, I just kind of showed up, and I did really well. I was like, like, you know, school was just really easy. So it was kind of boring to me actually. And I always knew that I didn't want to work for someone else's dream. Like I always knew I wasn't going to have a regular nine to five. I was only going to college because I was getting paid to do it, you know, through financial aid. And then my grandpa He's super, super smart. We'll just leave it at that. He's super, super smart. He's like worked for the government. He's like highly intelligent and I'm I'm his first grandson. So they always expected bigger things from me. And, um, you know, just my mom being disappointed in me because of poker and just, you know, thinking I was a gambler. I felt like I had to stay in college just, you know, just kind of so my grandpa would stay off my back as well as my mom wouldn't be like freaking out that I'm like dropping out of school (laughs) playing poker. You know, right. and that was all until I turned 21. And then when I turned 21 and went to Vegas, um, I'm not going to really say that's kind of when it began. But when I turned 21 was actually able to start playing live for bigger money. I went to Vegas and uh, it was, I went to Vegas for my first time. I had a couple hundred dollars in my pocket. Like, you know, I was still in college. I was just dealing at the house games. I wasn't making good, good money at all. You know, just kind of just surviving. And I remember uh, my buddy James Valdez and Brandon Castro, I was staying with them and my buddy James, he, he's crazy too, man. This kid, He still plays a little bit now, but back then he was like the the nittiest knit. Like he was just—he wouldn't even like you know if 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 he gave you two dollars, you'll get a soda or something. He would ask for the thirty cents change back. Like you know that's this kind of guy, right? (laughs) This kid James though—he woke up and it was my second to last day in Vegas. Like you know I was already done playing. I didn't have any money. I was just enjoying Vegas. This kid wakes me up and he's like, "Yo, wake up! I'm putting you in the in the Venetian." And I'm like, "What?" I'm like, yo, I can't play, I like, you know, I don't got that money, and he's like, yo, you know, I'll stake you, and then so will Cashwell, and I'm like, alright, so I had $100 of my own, he put up 100 and so did Brandon, and it was a $330 buy-in, I think is what it was, and it was the Venetian, here, actually, I have Mob up, it was uh, the 2009 Venetian deep stack. and it was $330 buy-in, uh, if I remember correctly, there's like 900 people, like 800, 900 wow. people, and... I remember whenever I registered, I got table one, seat one. And as soon as I sat down, I was like, oh, my God, I'm winning this tournament. I was like, holy (laughs) shit, I'm winning the tournament. And it was like my first big tournament. I hadn't really played a big tournament like this. And, like, you know, it was my second to last day in Vegas. I'm like, wasn't even planning on playing it. And it's weird because I feel like that's always the kind of times that you win is, like, whenever you're not really expecting it. And then I go play. And then, sure enough, two days later, I end up – I don't end up winning. I end up getting third for, like, 19 k after being chip leader three-handed. And then they offered me a chop and – first place that was like sixty-three thousand, and i was like i want 50k give me me 50k and we'll stop you know i had i had dominant chip lead but i was so cocky then i was like i was cocky core i wasn't the corey that i am now i was kind of just yeah i was just i was like a shit talker kind of player not not nearly what i like what i am today with people so
1: it's so so were you
4: in the transition
1: were you playing online at that point too or are you just purely getting into the game in a live setting
4: no, nah, well, like I was just playing at the the bar tournaments, and I was like I said, I was still in college, and I was I, I was always a partier. Like I always would just like you know I was dealing at house games. Basically, once the the bar tournaments got shut down because the we will just sum it up like that, it, it, the alcohol law enforcement they just shut them down. They didn't want us playing. Um, so then we had to move to the house games and my buddy and I, Zach started a house game. He was the house man. I was the dealer. We would like recruit players. We would take a rake and you know, that's, that, that's basically how I made money through tips and stuff. And that's what I did all throughout college. So, you know, for the most part though, I was dealing three or four nights a week. I didn't have a regular job and then I was going to school and then on the weekends i was like, fuck that. I don't want to play poker. I just want to go party. And I would just kind of <laughs> go out and just ha- hang out with friends, you know, chill with right. girls, you know, whatever it was. And it was crazy, too, because in Greenville, it was kind of like an underground poker circuit. Like, it was, you know, like, after the bar tournaments got shut down, it was like there's a house game every night. And because I was, like, like you know, the best dealer in the area, and I was, like, the, like you know, the main dealer for the for the first game in Greenville. Um, and because literally every bar tournament or series they had, it would be, like, a point system or something. And I would always get, like, number one. I would always be number one. I would always go win the tournaments. I would always be, oh, shit, Corey's here. We're not even going to play today. And it would be, like, kind of like that. <laughs> and I think, like, thinking back on it now, like, I think I kind of got caught up in that, like, I was like a mini celebrity in Greenville in the poker world, you know, like everywhere I went. And then, then I had good money because I was making money tips, but it was – but like if I would have knew that I was literally wait, blowing my time doing that instead of playing in the glory days of online poker, I just yeah. like
2: – Every yeah.
4: day I kick myself. I'm like, oh my god, Corey. Yeah, you really doing? did miss some stuff. <laughs> oh, and and now now like obviously seeing how like good I, good I could be online if I chose to play it like I, like yeah. you know just consistently, it was like man, you you straight up blew it because yeah. straight blew it. <laughs> like I was going out party and taking Jager bombs and. Uh, you know, playing softball and stuff instead of,
2: jeez, <laughs>
4: But, you know, it is what it is. It's all a learning experience. Like, in my mind, everything happens for a reason. Like, at, maybe at that time, I wasn't ready to play. Like, I was supposed to go through those life experiences to get me ready for maybe how I am now with people. Like, like you know, you never know. Like Say I turn into a, an online player, and I never developed those relationships or never was out there, like, communicating and talking with people, and I turned into, like, just a kind of homebody Internet kid. I might even be using a HUD right now if I did that, you know, I might, be one, <laughs> I might be one of those kids. So it's like, you know, in my mind, everything happens for a reason, whatever it is. So, I, for whatever reason I didn't play online back in those days and I think that that in some way or another made me a much better live player you know yeah, and I
1: will say I'm, I'm usually the first person who sees the videos of people who uh, become TP pros or even their their test video and the first <laughs> I remember turning yours on the first time and I was saying to myself, this guy is different
2: <laughs> this guy
1: <laughs> definitely this guy definitely thinks different and I really did not know your history because someone else recruited you so I was just checking out it you know checking it out for the first time and yeah, no I I idea. Like,
2: I had no it. idea. You know,
1: usually you turn it on and you get, you know, you know, we get a lot of people who apply and send us videos and there's a lot that sound the same and I watched your video from beginning to end and one, I enjoyed it. I thought it was actually entertaining and your videos are very entertaining because you basically, I mean, we could not have been here for the past 20 minutes, and you could have probably had as good a conversation as you just had. <laughs> and you do. Yeah, yeah, sorry <laughs> about that. Like, like, you know, for the <laughs> listeners,
4: too, I don't know if we're going to edit that out, but, like, while I was talking, I was like, holy shit, I'm talking a lot. Like, <laughs> no, no, but it's
1: good. You got the gift of gab, and, uh, and and it really translates well to the video, because you're entertaining. I mean, you literally can, can carry a conversation for a while <laughs> by yourself, so it makes the videos fun to watch, but, and we'll talk some strategy shortly here, but I you know, I think, because of the way you came up, not having grind you know not grinding on full tilt or poker stars, I, I think you play the game really different than than most people play and it, even if you don 't agree with the way you do things which I would not you know i don 't detract from anything you, you do because you 're very successful and I think you do a lot of things really well, even if you don't agree if i don 't agree with something you did, it makes me think about what 's standard and what 's not standard, like what I think is standard. I hate falling into those patterns. I prefer to think of everything as it's happening and try to, you know, determine what's right, what's wrong, you know, on each instance. And you make me do that because you're, you you do some things that are, are not the quote unquote standard online play. And I love that about your videos. And I think it's interesting, you know, given the way you came up and, and the way you're you, you got into poker is what drives that, you know.
4: Thank you, man. Well, well, you know, it's definitely nice to hear that, too. And, like, actually, yeah. as, like, the rest of this series, I guess, has been being completed, I've had more people, like, hit me up on Twitter and say, yo, I'm loving this Maximus series, or yo, yeah. I'm loving the videos, and it's just, like, it's, it's awesome to hear. And then, like, just in this most recent, I was funny. I was telling John, I was like, man, I was like, I think they kind of, like, you know, and, and you didn't do it on purpose, but, like, you, you released my videos the same time that you did a Big Dog Live Sweat. And, like, Big Dog Live Sweats, like, you can't even compete with those. They're they're, they're just awesome all around. It's Big Dog and it's, you know, great poker. So I'm like, man, I'm like, I don't get any comments. I don't even get any feedback. And, like, it's it's, it's just cool to hear the comments because I like hearing that I'm helping people and or, like, you know, for anybody listening, if you don't like my stuff, tell me, like, yo, I hate your shit, Corey. Because really really all you're going to do is motivate me more to just either make a better video for you in the future or motivate me more to just crush to then get you to be like, wow, maybe I should kind of understand and listen to what he's saying, you know. So either way, if you're going to hate on me, hate on me, or if you like to just kind of, you know, just like, you know, let me know that it that, that it helps you out or anything maybe you think I can improve on, feel free to go ahead and comment on it, and I will respond back to everybody. Like, you know, I love the feedback. Um, so it's, you know, cool. you know, I appreciate you. Like, you know, thank you for saying that. You know, it's like, you know, I like that.
0: Yeah.
2: It's
4: fun. It's, um,
0: how did – like, so with, without getting into a, a ton of detail because I know that some of this is a, a very closely kept sec- secret for you, um, like how did this style sort of develop for you? I mean w- – Did you used to just 3X all the time like everybody else did, and then you eventually sort of morphed into this sort of weird, crazy (laughs) guy? I mean,
4: like really, it's – I don't know. It's kind of – I don't know. I was – I was thinking about it kind of, and it's it's really, really hard to describe my style, and like, you know, I'm not even one, like, when, it, when you play with me, I, like, I'm not going to go just 4X or 3X, like, all the time. Like, you know, I do have a min, you know, a min part to my game, I do have, like, mm-hmm. quote unquote, the standard plays, you know, because at times there is, you know, times where just the standard play is just, you know, the right play maybe against a certain person or something, you know, so really, like, I think overall, considering how I came up and how I'm so people based, like, a lot of my game is... Just it's so table oriented and like you know and like this is obviously speaking about you know specifically live play so like you know was your question I guess based towards online or was it for live? Well,
0: well I, I think both. I mean, I, I guess maybe address online a little bit because you and I have actually played a fair amount of poker together online. Mm-hmm. And w- one thing I've definitely noticed is you do mix it up because one minute it'll be like oh, he's doing the 4X thing. you know. <laughs> he's doing the hot new 4X thing. And then the next minute it's like 2.2. It's like oh, he's 2. doing and the boring it's... standard stuff. What is that? You know? and... but, but, but then it's like, oh, shit, now he's 3-betting off a stack that he should never be 3-betting off. What's going on? Like, so that was one of the things I remember when we brought you on board. I was like, like, I don't know what the guy's doing, but he's giving me fits at the table. So I say let's make him do a video. <laughs> yeah. right.
4: Well, a couple thoughts. And like, God, I'm so ADD because literally while you're talking, I'm thinking about, oh, wait, I want to say this. Oh, wait, I want to say that. Like, actually, <laughs> in the last uh, question that you had, too, I wanted to, like, you know, bring up a point about, like, you know, the style that I wanted to take whenever I recorded videos. And, you know, just real quick on that, whenever I was watching other people's videos, it's not like I wanted to play different or, like, try to – try to do a totally different recording style. I just knew that whenever I watch people's videos, the ones with the hud and like the same type of thing over and over again, it's like, you know, everybody everybody nowadays I feel like knows how to play poker and you know like at least the you know the standard way you know like you know the successful people the guy who says that yeah I'm a poker player yeah I know how to play poker everybody knows like okay you know the button is the standard spot everybody's opening from the button people three betting here like everybody knows kind of like the standard approach to poker so I feel like if you do a unstandard approach if if that's even a word you know but but if you do something different to the to the players who you know are playing standard and then the times that you're doing standard stuff against the players who maybe are doing stuff different it's like a matter of just adjusting to the player and it's, like, something that I that I kind of realized, like, you know, I mean, I don't even know if that just came out right, like, the way that I just said it. <laughs> but basically, like, I can't even say that I have a style of poker. It's more so I adjust to you. So, you know... I'm playing with you, like, you know, for the most part, if someone, if if you were to ask somebody, yo, how does Corey play? Like, from an online standpoint, for the most part, I guess maybe because of my videos and, like, the content that's out there, people can be like, oh, that, dude, you know, fuck, that guy's crazy, He's, he's a retard, oh, my God, he's just wild, for online. You know, a lot of people probably would say that. But now, if you ask someone about how I play live, they wouldn't be able to give you, like, oh, my God, he's crazy aggro, oh, my God, he's a sick bluffer, oh, my God, he does this, because I feel like... I don't do like like I don't really have a style. It's more so what is the table letting me do? What kind of conversations am I having with this table? Obviously, it's going to dictate, you know, like, you know, I mean, what kind of hands and stuff that I'm getting. But for the most part, I'm playing according to how the table's playing, and then as soon as they adjust, I adjust. And as soon as they adjust to me, I adjust again. And it's like going into like, you know, what you're asking as far as going from like a 2x to a 4x, like, you know, there's there's that argument where people are like, yeah, if you always min-raise, no one's going to know what you have either. You know, like you know, if I always make it min, 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 okay, I could have anything. Okay, yeah, you're right. But at the same time, and this is something that I realized from playing live, like specifically. Well, I mean, I, I, you know, I realized it prior, but I really used it at the six-max final table, just messing with people's heads. And you mess with people's heads, kind of like with, with what you just said. Like, wait, what is he doing? He just four X, and now he's min raising. Now he's just three betting off of that stack, and literally, okay. <laughs> Obviously, I'm doing something different every time, but at the same time, you're thinking about what I'm doing differently from the time before, and that's messing you up because yeah, now you're thinking right. about what I'm just doing differently instead <laughs> of just min 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 min. Oh, okay, maybe he doesn't
1: have it here. Oh, maybe he does. I, have it I think it here. that's really underutilized, Corey. I, I think I think you know confusing people, <laughs> like confusing people when with something that they're not used to, is definitely underutilized in the both live and online games. Because I, you know, I will speak for myself when. Someone starts doing something different; it makes me like confu- it's just confusing, right? It's like, well, well, how do I react to that? Well, why are they doing that? Like, exactly. what does that mean? What does that mean about them, right? Like, what, do, what am I supposed to infer about them? But then, wait a minute, how do I react to a four X? Like, do I do I go all in, right, with my you know fifteen <laughs> like, my, whatever twenty five big blind? Like, that's I think what I'm um, you know it, it maybe is the value of doing it and the reaction that you're trying to get um, from people, and it also throws you know, the, what I think it does is it also throws the rules that have kind of become the standard rules because they work well against certain standard plays out the window and and people can't use those against you anymore. Like, like the, the edge that, you know, edges are reduced because training sites like TPE and books and forums, people have learned how to do certain things. So why play into what everyone else has, has learned to do, Mm -hmm. right? And and, and is is done because it's, you know, it's the optimal play. And then you're trying to react, you react optimally, and it then becomes, like, who gets lucky <laughs> if everyone's yeah. acting optimally, you know? So when you confuse people, I really, you know, I, I don't do enough of what you're saying, but I can definitely see why, you know, why it works for you. Because you do have people reacting to you, and, and then they can make more mistakes because they're confused.
4: Yeah, and in saying that, though, like, this isn't something where, like, you know – I mean, obviously poker you know, poker's getting harder. People are learning the game more, like people are getting just overall more aware. You know, it's like you know, it's like it's definitely not as easy as it was, I say, a few years ago. But in saying that, that's more so of a reason why I feel like it's crucial to adjust and do something that people aren't doing. Because if everybody's getting good with the overall same set of, quote-unquote, standard plays, and everybody's getting to that level where, wow, everybody knows when to forward. Everybody knows when to do this. Everybody knows when to do that. It's like, okay, everybody's doing that, then exactly what you said. Okay, well, who can get lucky here? You know, insert the one outer here for this guy to win, because everybody's playing the same. So if you do something different and you're able to mix it up, it's like and, – and also another thought that I had was whenever – just overall, like I feel like whenever successful players, like people – um, not to even name any names, but just people who, like, you know, live outside of the U.S. and who can play on PokerStars in full tilt, when people are playing, like, that kind of game where they're playing 20 or 30 tournaments a day and they're playing, you know, um, on you know, different sites and they're playing, like, you know, multi-tables every day, that I feel like maybe would be more so of an argument to where someone could play a standard way because you're playing so many tables, you're playing across, right. you know, so many sites against so many worse players because, right. you know, because the player pools are so much bigger. So right. to play that way, I can understand their argument to where, okay, that would be Optimal in this setting, but for someone to be like you know, to like you know, they were straight up criticizing my style of play. They don't realize that okay, I'm making videos for a training site, which primarily you know tends to not like the expert players, not people who are already making millions or you know making you know an income out of this. You know, these are people who are trying to get better. So whenever they're they're doing that, you got to think of okay, who is he making the videos for? As well as he's playing you know online in the United States, which is totally different game than it is overseas, you know, in my opinion. So, you know, the way that I play though, I feel like, you know, is, essentially allowed and and i could get away with it more on the u.s. sites whenever we're talking about online but now live the way that i play i feel like benefits me anywhere and that kind of goes to the same thing whenever you're playing and like when i know i'm playing against a quote-unquote online sicko and i don't know why i keep saying quote-unquote i don't even ever say that i said it for like <laughs> seven times now but you know whenever i'm playing against an online sicko and like this this came into play whenever i was in the uh, hpt i had uh... Pfft, What's the dude? Dan O'Brien on my right. And then I had this other guy. I don't remember his name. Some sick poker stars. He was poker stars patched up. He was to my left. So I was like surrounded by like two online dudes. And now I know how these online guys are going to be playing. They're doing the standard way. They're going to be attacking the button, attacking the other weak spots, yada, yada, yada. So like, you know, like the face that you said, like whenever like someone throws in a four, it's like, whoa, how do I react to that? Whoa, how do I do that? And just kind of confusing them when you're playing against good, good players like that. You should see the faces I get when I just throw in like yeah. a butt, you know, like a, a button limp. They're like, What? Oh. Dealer, dealer, is that a limp right there? Dude,
2: what is that? I'm like, Yeah, it's a limp,
4: it's a limp. And then and then they just uh okay, and then they just like what the hell is just going on? And the whole time they're thinking about what I just did that was so crazy, and now they're not right. even thinking about, oh, maybe I should just raise a small blind. Oh, maybe I should do it. and like that's not right. not for everybody, but that's just an example of a time where like against certain players, I'll do something that they're not expecting, and now it just messes them up, and now they're thinking about that, and I'm just kinda oh, rape, oh, rape i oh, yeah, yeah. and like, wait, what, what is going on here? What What is going on? What is this kid doing? And then while they're still thinking about what I'm doing, I got all the chips, you know, and it's kind of, right. and it just, yeah. you know, and obviously it doesn't work out that, like, you know, that every time, but I'm just, overall, there's like certain scenarios and certain things that I can do where, you know, online, like I was saying, I feel like I can get away with more of this unorthodox style. Like you said, I'm not really the best if you give me a, a hand, I'm not going to be able to give you a strategy or like the numbers are like 38% this, or we're going to check raise here, or, you know. I mean, it's all so dependent on the table. And with online, I know you can only do that to a certain extent, but really with online, I have a, like, you know, I know I do stuff kind of crazy, but a lot of times whenever I'm online, I'm going to be trying new things because the game is always adapting. The game is always growing and someone has to make the game grow. Like, so I feel like if I'm doing what everybody else is doing, how's the game growing? So I might as well be the one to, to like, you know, do something different if people choose to follow me or choose to want to like learn why i'm doing it you know more power to you it's just you know a matter of everybody has different mindsets everybody plays poker differently you know so yep. if you want to hate on me hate on me but if you want to know more it's like you know i'm, I'm willing to talk to you like you know I'm, I'm very friendly it's not like i'm you know but it's, you know when it gets down to the secrets and kind of like you know, why you do this and why you do that, it's not really even a secret. It's it's so table-dependent and, like, what I feel like I could get away with at that moment against this person, against who they are, against, you know, for whatever dynamic or whatever kind of, um, you know, precedent that we have set prior. And, you know, I don't know if you want to kind of go into the six-max final table, but that was crazy how that whole tournament went down. That was just... It was awesome in a crazy way, though. It was just... Oh, it,
0: yeah, let, let, let's, let's touch on it a little bit and then we'll get into the strategy. Yeah. I, rem- I actually remember when... um. It's funny you mentioned the limping the button thing because Mark, uh, Alioto, and I were um, grinding one night, and it was the night that you were at that final table. And I remember one of the updates was like, you know, Corey limps the button, and I was like, he's doing it, Mark. <laughs> he's, yep. he, he's doing that crazy shit that he does online. He just limps the button. <laughs> we actually had a conversation about exactly limping the button, which I thought was really funny when you mentioned it. Yo, so, yeah, talk a little bit about how that table went down and, you know, because I think there was a point where you got actually kind of short, right?
4: Oh, I was – yeah, I was uh, – and, like, I'm I'm so bad with this really, like, as far as like, – I don't even remember what I had going into the final table, like, stack size. Um, like, I'm so bad with, like, remembering hands and remembering certain things, but then <laughs> – but if someone brings it up, then I'm like, oh, yeah, this is what happened. And then I remember kind of – I jump right back into it. Just as a overall blanket statement, Ari Angle is a beast. You know, that that dude, he is incredible, man. He's, like, he he changes the dynamic. Like, I don't think I've ever played with anybody who changes the dynamic of a table more than him. And, you know, I mean that wow. in, like, such a, like, I mean, I, I, you know, it's nothing but a compliment. But it's, like, whenever he's at the table, not that he got me out of my game or kind of, like, you know, um, you know, just – like you know, made things difficult. Well, I mean, he definitely made things difficult. But it's just the fact that I was able to adjust to him, knowing that he was going to make life difficult. You know, knowing that okay, he's going to put you in you know a tough spot every single time. So whenever I like played with him, um, it was prior to making the final table. There was like I think three or four tables left, and I just moved from table. I was like playing with Lonnie Harwood. I was playing with. Uh, G- I think his name's Justin Gavio, the guy who won the Tunica main. I was playing with, uh, like, mm-hmm. you know, it was a really good table. There was a couple other guys. That I don't remember their names. Um, and basically we moved from that table, and then we go to this other table, and, and Ari Angle is right there, and he was two to my left. So, like, you know, every time that I'm on the button he's in the big blind, you know, like, you know, he's going to have position on me. And, you know, it's it's six max, so, so these spots are going to be coming up often. And it was cool because, like, I guess most people and, – and at that time, he was chip leader. I think he had, like, 500K probably at, like, you know, the, the uh, 6K big blind or, you know, it was something ridiculous. He had, oh. a, you know, a typical Ari Angle stack and uh – uh <laughs> Basically I get moved over there and I think most people will kinda of be like, Oh man, I'm going to Ari Angles table. Oh shit, I'm at Ari's table. But I was so excited, like the, almost the whole time it was weird too, because when I'm playing, I could see where Ari was sitting, and I heard someone say, Ari has heaps, Ari has heaps and then I um like the whole time I'm kinda of looking over there, like, Oh and I remember thinking, I was like, That'd be that, you know, that'd be so sick of me and I got to the final table and we're playing. And I was just kinda of like envisioning me at the final table playing heads up with Ari. And this was when there was like forty people left. I just had this vision. So then our table gets broken, I get moved to Ari's table and I'm like,
2: Oh man, it's happening it's happening i'm like i'm going to play with ari
4: so i ghosted over there and you know i have a decent stack i don't remember what the stack sizes were but i remember just knowing that a player like ari and his caliber i knew he was going to be putting me in tough spots and given that it was a six max there was going to be a lot of those spots so i kind of knew going in to where all right now my my uh, strategy at the other table is going to be way different than it is at this table because of one person single-handedly ari and because he had position on me and because he had heaps and it was six max and just a number of reasons now it's just when I'm saying that, like I want you people to understand, like if you listen to that, like when you go to a table, don't kind of go with like an overall plan and don't say, all right, well, I'm going to do this with Ari. It's Ari. I'm definitely going to be defending it. I'm definitely going to be doing this. Like you can't go in there with a plan because this person might not be playing how you think he is it that day, and that's kind of my same argument with the HUD. Like, you know, when a, someone's HUD stats say something, they might be doing something totally different today. You know, they might be going in here and making this a experimental day, you know, like I do, or going in here and maybe they're they're drunk playing and they're just playing, you know, whatever it is, every, everybody could be playing differently. And that's kind of what I mean with live too. And when, whenever I develop these relationships and these certain dynamics, Ari could be playing against me differently than he would anybody else or kind of my like perceived image of what he was going to be doing. But, but sure enough, no, he just kind of still ravaged. He was still in every hand and he was still being <laughs> Ari. But whenever we got involved in a hand, like, one hand specifically, I remember I had king-queen. Um, I want to say he opened, and I just flatted from the blinds. Uh, don't remember the stack size at all. I know he had me covered in chips, but I know I was out of position with king-queen, and the flop comes out, like, queen-xx, and I check-call. The turn comes, and I, I check again. And, 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 and like, like, pretty much the whole hand, I knew that I was check-calling the whole way. I wasn't going to check-raise. I wasn't going to lead out on the river for, like, you know, to, like, try to get value because I knew if I lead out on the river, always capable of just 100k on top. And you know, right. and like, I mean, he never says it. He does this. It's so crazy if, if, if you guys ever play with him. He's like a machine with his eyes. He, like, is looking at the table, and he's like, you know, I can't really, you know, I mean, if you were able to see me right now, you'd see what I'm doing, but he's just, his eyes are, like, going everywhere all over the table as if he's like a machine. He's, like, looking at the blinds, looking at the chips, looking at the table, looking at the deal. Looking at the, I'm like, what the hell is he looking at? And, like, I, you know, like you know, how is his eyes going that fast? So, like, you know, I, I know that he's going to put me in a tough spot, so instead I just adjusted to Ari. And I was like, okay, here, top pair. All right, I might miss out on some value, but at the same time, I'm not going to put myself in any tough spot. Essentially going to be playing uh, easy poker, which against this kind of a player I thought was the best approach because, you know, it's a six max. You're going to be getting a lot of hands and you're not going to be able to outplay such a caliber, you know, as, as Ari angle on a consistent basis. So instead just kind of take what the deck gives you, take what the table gives you, pick your spots, survive and be able to, to like pick the ideal spot. And that's kind of what I did with him, you know, and, uh, you know, really, like, we didn't play together that long, but it was just, like, that, that king-queen hand specifically. I remember against probably another player because I believe he, like, checked behind on the turn. And then so now in the river, a lot of people would probably lead out for value here. But I remember I was like, nope, don't lead out because he's going to put you in a tough spot. And, like, knowing this, it was like and, – and, you know, that was just one hand. It wasn't like I was doing that every hand. But just that one hand, I remember mentally I said, I'm going in here with this adjustment because it's Ari. And then seeing how he had been playing, it's just a matter of adjusting to that person. And it's like – Uh, it was just awesome being able to play with him then. And then we got split up and then sure enough, um, you know, we ended up meeting again at the final table. And whenever we go to the final table, it was, I don't know if it was the most decorated, but I know it was one of the most decorated final tables as far as rings. There was, there was 11 rings at that table and it was only a six max. So, you know, we're missing, yeah, we're missing three people and there's already 11 rings, you know, for, so, uh, (laughs) Like, and I mean, I'm not sure how, you know, like, you know, what kind of chance anybody was giving me or if anybody was talking about it because there was Brian O'Donohue there. I think he was chip leader. Ari Engel was, I want to say he was second or third in chips. I think he was third. And then, um, and, you know, just because there was other good players there. And then, uh, John Alfonso, I believe was there. He has a ring also. And, you know, I don't know how much of a chance people were giving me. And because whenever we started the final table, like, um, you know, I came in and it was, uh, I was all hyped up. I was in my MJ gear. I was feeling great as always. Like, I just made a staff story. I was telling everybody I'm going to go win it. And it was just, you know, I always think positive And I, <laughs> I had that vision too from the day before. I was like, Corey, you had this vision. It's like you and Ari heads up for it all. I, 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 like, I even put a Facebook post up about it. And uh, it was so awesome having that vision and then going into it and then starting out bad, but being able to control myself. Like, Corey. You still have a chance, Corey. Yeah. Don't list Like, Corey, use your chips as tools, Corey. And, and, and uh, like, another thing, I kind of utilized it in that tournament. It's, like, kind of when I – like, I didn't coin it, but I was, like, be a ninja. And I was, like, you know, I am ninja. I am ninja. Because the whole tournament I was, like – so, so low, even on day two, coming back from dinner break, I had like, you know, 15 or 16 bigs going down to like, you know, one point, I think I had seven or eight bigs and then just three bets shoving and just building. And it was like such a crazy tournament, how it went down. And then to have that vision to get to the final table and then to start out how I did. And then once Ariango busted, like, you know, I, you know, I can't sit here and say I was owning the whole final table. I was killing it like the whole six max I started out kind of rough. And then I kind of had to take a different approach, had to like readjust to the table and, when Ari Angle busted, I think he busted out fifth place. I think it was fifth. As um, soon as he busted out um, – no, actually, I think he busted fourth. But as soon as he busted out, I remember, and it was three-handed. Uh, that's when I hit my stride. Once I had the chips and once it was three-handed, it was – I mean, it was pretty much over. It was, it was awesome. It's like I was on top of the world, and then I come home, and then I go visit my dad. I go visit my mom. Like, you know, I have a great trip with them. I go visit them, and then I go there, and then I'm, I'm, I'm home for a week, and then I fly out to Cali. And then when I fly out to Cali – sure enough, uh, first tournament, I ship it, and it was just, it was like riding the (laughs) wave, you know, and like, you know, really, I just feel like this whole last year and a half, is so, it's like preparing me for something, and like, you know, I'm with TP, I'm with you guys, you know, till the end, so it's like, and, and like, you know, like, again, I'm not trying to put myself on a pedestal, but it's like, I mean, this last year, with everything that I've witnessed, and everything that I've been through, and been so blessed to be a part of, it's like, I feel like it's getting me ready for something huge, and I don't know what that means, I don't know if it's bracelets, I don't know if it's like, you know, really, I don't know what the hell it is, but it's like something is happening that's getting me ready. Like I'm supposed to be seeing all this stuff, supposed to be getting ready for something. And it's like through Vima, through the TPE, you know, opportunity, through meeting all these people, through these, you know, the, like, you know, the success through the rings, like my Twitter's blowing up now. Like just through everything that's going on in my life. It's like it's leading to something. And I don't awesome. know what it is, but it's like I just want to thank you guys for the opportunity to TPE even talk on this podcast, like just everything in general. Like I'm just so appreciative of where i'm at in my life i'm like you know i've worked my ass off to get here it's not like i just you know got lucky and fell into poker you know but it's, at the same time it's like i'm i'm yeah i'm, I'm humbled by it and i definitely don't take it for granted at all so it's you know
2: cool. it's crazy it's you
4: know, attitude. yeah I mean, again i'm not trying to make this like a motivational
2: shit. i'm like, <laughs> trying to get
4: deep with it like that but like whenever you guys ask about that i get so excited and i'm, I'm so passionate awesome. about the other things in my life that lead to success in poker it's like it kind of goes hand in hand you know so it's yeah.
2: Ah damn! Wow.
4: I'm sitting here tearing up on the podcast. <laughs> 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 so
1: let's, let's get you to some boring poker talk. Why don't yeah, we
0: bring uh, out a hand here, KB? You got one? Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's uh, let's go through some. We got I think we got two good <clears throat> ones, and we, we kind of tried to pick some stuff that we could kind of talk about a little metagame and a little like live poker strategy and stuff too to kind of mix in because like like you said, like you're not going to be the guy who says, "Well, I think his range is eighty percent," you know, stuff like that. So. Yeah, so let's it's, jump into this hand. So this is actually from a uh, a Venetian 1K. So you get a little experience playing Venetian. So this would be good. Okay. Um, he says,
4: "Who is this now? This uh, is
0: oh, well, this is a guy on on TP. His name's One Time One Time. Okay. He's actually been pretty active on the site lately, so it's pretty up, cool." What's up, One Time? Site.
2: What's up, buddy? Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. So uh, he says, "Villain is new to the table," uh, and he said he's a really good online high-stakes MTT grinder. So he apparently knows who he is. Uh, He says he has no feeling for how he's playing, but obviously he recognizes him, so he might have a little bit of an idea how he might play. Uh, He says the table has been aggressive, full of skilled players. Hero starts the hand with 100K. Villain has 60K, and the the under-the-gun guy, who will play a bit of a role in this, has 90K. So everybody's very deep. Um, Under-the-gun opens to 1,800 which I guess is probably pretty standard live, like two and a half X. Uh, Hero flats with Ace Queen suited. Yeah, so
4: he's got to be in, in middle position then, because then the villain is over there, and he didn't say anything about him being in the blinds. So,
0: okay, yeah. Gotcha. So is, is this, a, this is a hand that I flat all the time live, especially this deep. Are you flatting here most of the time? Yeah,
4: for sure. And and yeah. it has absolutely nothing to do, like, a lot of people too, and this is going to be, again, player dependent, and, I, and more so, like, when it's in the last level of the night, but say you're playing with like a middle-aged lady or like even like an older guy and you've been talking with him a little bit. So, you know, like he's not the best poker player. You've seen some of his hands, you know, he's not that good. And, you know, like, you know, this is just a general example, but someone like that uh, with this kind of a hand, like, or, 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 you know, someone like that, like say that I'm this, this, uh this other villain that's in the hand and like my perceived image of this person is what I just kind of described to you. Now I would mm. give them more credit for just flatting with a hand, you know right there so like it's not like someone, <laughs> right. someone flatting here looks weak to me you know like you know it just depends on who the person is but if that was me yes i would flat um not because it's the end of the level but just because of probably my stack the fact that i don't um know this this new guy who apparently is really good and at the same time he said that it's an active table so if you three bet you're likely to get put in an awkward four bet spot which if you know ahead of time that you're not going to be defending to a four bet why even three bet you know so right, right. you know my opinion with this kind of hand a flat is fine
0: Cool, cool. All right, so he does need flat with the ace-queen suited. Villain on his immediate left, three bets to 5,200.
2: Exactly, yeah.
0: Cool. Um, which, yeah, exactly what you were talking about. Now now we're in a spot, I guess, where we can just always flat this and, and play post flop. Exactly, right? yeah,
4: and, and, like, you know, not to say that you were – like, you know, that you knew someone was going to 3-bet, but when you flat here, you're flatting knowing, like, okay, I don't want a 3-bet from this early position and then risk getting 4-bet at a crazy active table. But if I flat, I know that I'm flatting and then defending to a 3-bet. And mm-hmm. and and not to mention there's those times where you flat, there's a 3-bet and a 4-bet, and now you just save chips because, you know, but you know, by you playing it this way. So it's, right. you, know, there's, you know, there's, like, numerous benefits to it as well as the whole table dynamic of, of it being, like, the biggest part of it, I think, is why I'm flatting here. Yeah.
0: And now your hand can be under a little bit, too, so we can actually stack hands like Ace-Jack or something. Um, Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. We might not get this many chips in anyway. Yeah,
4: depending on we, the player but, type and stuff, too. You're not going to stack too many ace Jacks, well, especially now I'm looking at the flop. Uh, there's Ace-Jack.
0: <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the so villain, three uh, best of 5,200, uh, under the gun, flats, and our hero, flats. Flop comes Ace-Jack-8, two spades,
4: And uh, just as like a sub note too, people, like whenever you see this kind of, and a lot of people, I think they try to like almost level themselves or almost like confuse themselves pre-flop is like, all right, what do they have? What do they have? And like, they're trying to range somebody on a hand pre-flop, which in my opinion, with this action, you can kind of like generalize it, but especially at a good table, it's like, you're never going to be able to say, okay, I think he has a pair here. Or, okay, I think you might have kings here. I got to hit an ace. Or Like like, never, never try to get a certain hand in your head because you need, you know, every hand is like a story. So the chips, you know, the chips are your tools. And the tools add up to a certain story, so it's like, okay, his story is saying this. Now, do I believe this story or do I not believe the story? And mm-hmm. you gauge the story and the information by how the hand plays out. So yep. right here, pre-flop, all you know is, okay, you made a 5,200. He's a pretty good guy, and he has X amount in his stack.
1: Like, yeah, I, I think I think you're right. I think it's really hard to range people these days pre-flop because yep. we're doing so much different stuff. You need yeah. like. You, yeah. need, you need connecting pieces of information to, to start to put that together, I think. Exactly. Yeah. So you but, know, I just
4: want to kind of throw that out there to yeah. people. Like, you know, at this point, I'm not even trying to range anybody.
1: Right. Right. So.
0: Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Um, so, again, flop is ace, jack, eight, two spades. So we flop top pair and the nut flush draw. Um, under the gun checks Our hero checks and villain bets 5,600, which looks to be about third pot okay. or so. Um, and he says both under the gun and him call. Are we... You ever raising the flop, especially after no. under the gun uh-uh. calls? No. Never, never, never.
4: Because, uh, I mean, and again, see, like everything that I say in the back of my mind, I'm like, well, I don't really know the person. So I don't know if this would really be what I would <laughs> right. do. But, sure. you know, so just you know, keep that in mind if I'm kind of like so indecisive, like when I'm talking or like, or like maybe I have different opinions on a certain play. But right here um, on the flop now is like literally when I start to generalize the people according to – how they looked at the flop, like did this guy check in the dark? Like you know, how did he check? Did he do one finger? Did he normally do two fingers? Yeah. Did he hit the <laughs> right. table? Right. And you know, I don't try to confuse myself, but it's just like overall, like my brain and my sensories are like p- taking in all this information and like, okay, I think he might have this, or oh shit, sure, I think he might have actually flop the big hand because of how his eyes got bigger. You know, whatever it is. So in the in the moment with that person, I'm looking at that person, trying to generalize their you know, their body language first off. So mm-hmm. uh, but you still can't really put them on a range, but whenever he checks, okay. Now I know I'm not gonna bet for uh, just a couple reasons, like, A, this guy has a lead in the hand, B, I have a huge hand, this is a great flop, C, I don't want to to lead out and possibly ruin this guy from C-betting with whatever he was going to C-bet with, and at the same time, though, I kind of don't want to put myself in a tough spot to where I bet this guy raises, now, yeah, I could just flat and take it to the turn, but now you just kind of essentially made the pot bigger than you needed to be, put yourself in an awkward spot, and now you're going to have to call a bigger turn bet to see the river because you chose to play that hand that way. So, like, you know, oh, right. like four or five different things are going on in my head, whenever this is going on, but all that would kind of lead to me checking and right. just check calling.
1: But so, Corey, you're yeah. also, I mean, I think you're also, that your hand is, is, is not very vulnerable either, right? I mean, you have the ace queen with the spades, so given that there's two spades in the flop, because I'm not sure if we said that, it's, it's ace, yeah. ace of heart. Did we say that, KB? Did we read the flop? Yep. Out? Okay. Yep. So So, I mean, if it was two hearts instead of two spades, I mean, I know that's not what happened in this hand, but like how much is how how much does that affect what you're saying here? Like, would you have a different strategy? Would you be leading? Would you then be check raising? Like, wh- how would you play that given that you have a little um, bit more vulnerability there?
4: All right. Well, like one thing that I, that I know that I do a lot is kind of like especially when I'm talking to people about a hand. Like, you know, right here. Like, you know, the flop is ace, jack, eight, two spades, and now you're saying, all right, what would you do if? And now, if if we're doing this, what would I do if that if could change the fact of the under the gun check calling? Like he might even just fold, and then it would be different to what I do. That's so right. you know, to say what would you do if it's kind of it changes the whole dynamic of the hand because if could make the under the guy fold. Now it's just heads up, and now I might play the hand totally different because it's not three ways. To it. Sure. You know, so like when you say that, I kind of don't even want to really answer it because it would confuse people because because that's not what happened, and that could that literally single handedly could change the whole outcome of this hand.
1: Okay, so, so then given given that though. Would you say it's it's fair to say that the the reason that you check call here and you're okay with that is because you feel like your hand is not vulnerable to um, later streets, you know, going going south on you because of draws and and, and whatnot out that's out there. Is that fair to say? Yeah, absolutely.
4: Because like okay. you know when this like when this guy leads out and then he uh, and then he calls the three bet and and you got to think though too. Uh this guy called the three bet with you still behind, you know, which you know d- d- like it, it mm-hmm. doesn't really say much, but it does say that he knows that you were either gonna be in the hand yeah. for sure with calling or you could have re raised pre flop. So it does say something in regards to the strength of his hand and then on the flop too, now you got to see him call before you call. So now you are now overcalling. And now if this guy who C bet is a really good player, my like 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 say I'm the villain right here and I bet and then I get called called I'd say I mean, and you know, I'm not a percentage guy, but I'd say like ninety percent of the time I'm gonna peg that the guy who overcalled to have the flush draw. For sure. So, you know, so so considering that I know that my hand is essentially face up right now to this good player, right. I'm calling because now if I play my hand any other way, maybe my hand's gonna be face up and I'm gonna get this villain to either fold what could be um, the worst hand, meaning, like, a worst uh, ace, you know, so now it looks like I just mm-hmm. have a flush draw, but he doesn't know I have yeah. ace with a flush draw, yeah. so now I'm kind of scaring out the value of this guy. At the same time of um, this guy under the gun, say he had pocket eights, and he just, like, he, he would play pocket eights the exact same way, maybe even jacks, like, you know, if, you know, since this is, like, a 1K tournament, and it's towards the end of the night, if he's, like, a, you know, like, an amateur kind of a player, maybe even jacks, so, like, in that case, he's going to be check-calling and playing it the exact same way, so in saying that, by you raising here, um, overall, you're going to get... Uh, You know, you're going to get worse hands to fold, you're not going to get better hands to fold, and you're kind of, like, scaring away anything that you could be gaining more value from on future streets. That's great. All set.
1: If that makes sense. Yep, all set. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That answers the question, too. So cool.
0: Yeah. All right. Um, All right, so, again, just to recap, uh, Under the Gun checked, uh, Hero checked, Villain bet 5600, and both call. call. Yep. So now the pot's about 34k. The turn card is the Queen of Clubs, uh, making it ace, queen, jack, eight. Still two spades. We have spades. Um, and now, of course, we have top two. Under the gun checks. We, as the hero, again, check. Mm. And now the villain bets 11200 So kind of sticking at that about third-ish pot size bet. Now under the gun folds. And what mm. would you normally do here?
4: I mean, all right. Now, at for him, okay, like... God, I have so many things going on in my head right now. Okay, <laughs> so Pots 34K, turns a queen. and Yeah, like if I wasn't looking at this, this would be tough. So let's see. Under the gun checks, I check, villain bets. Now when the turn comes out, initially a lot of people are going to be like, oh, two pair, great you know, great card. At the same time, though, um, I don't know if it's the greatest card considering that, okay, I would play it the same way. When he checks, I would have checked because, and you know, this kind of goes back to who this player is who opened under the gun. Like if he's like a, you know, like, just to kind of give you like a visual, like in Florida there's like a lot of like older like you know, 40, 50 year old guys with their chest, you know, with you know with their shirt open and they're wearing the jewelry and they're all, you know, sunburnt and shit and they just kinda of like playing cards real <laughs> gambly. You know? So if it's that kind of a guy and like that's the kind of vibe that I'm getting, I'm thinking like, okay, Under the Gun could definitely have like a nine ten here, you know, could have just turned the straight, you know, you know, definitely still could have pocket eights, pocket jacks, like have that kind of hand. So for a number of reasons I'm never gonna be betting here. And at the same time, the villain still has the lead in the hand. You know, so for every reason that I stated on the flop um, like those reasons are still going to be in effect on the turn because essentially it didn't change anything. Like now, like, um, you know, now the queen, I mean, it changed stuff because it gave us top two pair, but we thought our hand was good on the flop, you know, and we right, were, you know, right. playing it that way for a reason. So when the queen comes, it's the same thing. We still think our hand's good. We're still playing it for the same reasoning. And now it's heads up because we've seen that the guy under the gun folded. So now that,
1: mm-hmm. oh, he does fold, right? Yeah. So, no, like, we're actually, we're not, we're not there yet. We're still, um, we haven't, it came to us after the under gun check. So I think what we're trying to figure out is... Oh, oh, right, oh okay. Right. Yeah, Sorry. I'm just like going to check. So now it's on you. So, I, I mean, I hear you saying you can yeah. check. So it, oh, I'm that. always
4: going to check. Yeah, right. and, and, like, you know, we're checking for the same reasons because we still have... Now we have top two pair with the nut flush draw, so our hand's even stronger than it was on the flop. But if our hand was good on the flop, then our hand's good on the turn um, because I don't think that that guy's going to be c-betting with a hand like, say, Queens in the two people. So that, that, that turn didn't change anything, in my opinion, as far as our reasoning why we played it that way on the flop. All right. So mm-hmm. now, but what does change though is it makes us feel better that the under the gun guy is gone because now one of the combinations of hands that beat us uh, nine ten is is gone or or um you know any any set basically. So right. if that makes me feel better. So like I mean, have we gotten to that point yet?
0: Is it yes? Okay.
4: So yep. now, whenever the villain bets eleven two, I don't like that. In terms of what our hand is in, in regards to what he's betting, because he's betting a third of the pot, which, to me, screams value kind of, but at the same time, because he is a good, you know, and, like, this is so person-dependent, because he is a good sicko, a lot of times, especially now that I've been playing, like, more live and playing with online guys, a lot of times you're like, oh, there's no way he's ever going to bet the two people here if he doesn't have it, and they're doing it anyway because it looks so strong, you know? Yeah. So. You know, obviously i'm not going to think that my hand is is initially shitty bet you know shitty bet again to two people, and even though the guy folded he didn't know the guy was going to fold, so still he he double barreled now into two people so now Now, the story, like you see kind of how the story's starting to bold. Like, you know, we weren't really sure on the flop. We played it for a certain way. Now, on the turn, now that it's me and him heads up, the turn is kind of where you can start to gauge, like, all right, am I I playing it this way for value? Am I doing this as a trap? Am I kind of still trying to hit my flush because my two pair is not good? And now, on this turn, because of that sizing, and obviously you're out of position, this is where you have to decide what am I doing this for, for the river. And now, if this comes out in the river, meaning any spade, or if I fill up, what am I going to do? And I try to kind of think of that ahead of time. So, um, you know, cause a lot of time, like I'm not one to take a long time whenever I act. Um, I'm, I'm kind of learning to like, not really tank, but I'm learning to like take my time more after talking to JC, uh, you know, Jordan for, you know, after like, I mean for a couple of things and after obviously, you know, just kind of picking his brain and getting into head or, or, or getting into his head as to why he does it. And a lot of times too, I find that maybe I just like, I'm acting too quick and I make a little mistake that I was like, damn it, Corey, sit back and think for a second. You wouldn't have made that mistake. <laughs>
2: right. So like
4: in this spot right here though, and saying that this 11 too, um, this is where his hand is starting to kind of get, like, revealed to us as far as the story that he's trying to tell us. You know, we, we might not believe this story. You know, like, we might still think he's full of shit, but this is where it's kind of, like, starting to figure it out. So whenever he bets, um, I'm, I'm definitely still calling. Um, I, like, you know, and I'm definitely never raising. Like, I don't know if that was going to be a question here, but I'm never going to raise for pretty much the same reasons. Like, if he – well. Yeah, like I mean, really, if, if we think our hand's good and we still have the spades, we're never going to raise here because say he was double barreling with air because he's a sicko. Now we're not, you know, like, now we're not letting him being able to give us more chips on the river, you know. So mm-hmm. we have to kind of know that. And again, like, it's hard for me just like reading this hand history, but from what you said about him being a sick player, I would give him the, you know, like, like there is a chance that he's double barreling here with air. So you definitely don't want to raise because you're going to scare him off. Like he's oh
1: shit, he has it, he's going to give up. You know. Yeah. So, Let me ask you a question about leading though. So like, let's say you know. The, leading, um, leading on the turn? Yeah, well, yeah, I'll okay. do the gun checks and then you bet, right? So let's 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 talk about that okay. option. So, you know, I think, isn't it, aren't there hands here that now would call you that are worse? Like king-queen, jack-queen, um, ace-jack, or drawers, you know, like maybe nah. like ace-nine, or like, do you think there's none of those hands that you can well, call from? Because-
4: well, I mean, I understand your question, and, like, right. you know, it's a good point, but at the same time, it's kind of like, and this may be where a lot of people are lacking with their, like, because poker is a, it's it's a card game, but it deals with people, you know? Right. So you're dealing with people in this, uh, you know, regard to where this guy, again, going back to him being a sick player, so he's obviously going to recognize, he's going to recognize, like, trends, he's going to understand betting patterns, he's going to, like, you know, be able to, like, range you and stuff, so in my mind, playing with a guy, like, in the, and obviously – you know, I don't know what the dynamic is. Have we played together before? Does he know a little bit about my game? Like, you know, all that stuff that, like, we're kind of, like, not even talking about, which is super important in my opinion. But basically the point that I was trying to make is if you lead out here after giving the flop action and then yeah. under the gun checks and now you lead out, what kind of hand does it look like? Like, like you know, what kind of story are you trying to tell? Like, That's when this right. queen yeah. card comes and now you lead out into a guy who has the, you know, who has control of the hand because like, he see bet what kind of hand are you saying? Hey, hey man, I got this. Like and then and then in saying that, okay, we can talk about that. Now you're you're like what hands first of all would you ever ever lead out with? I guess two right. pair. I guess you could lead out with a straight to try to get value from any kind of draws or anything. Um, right. I don't know if you would play a set that way considering what you did on the flop. And like with, with the set, I think that way on that uh, wet of a board, I'm pretty sure we would have been raising on the flop, and this whole hand would have not even gotten to this point in the turn.
2: So <laughs> so
4: basically, what kind of hands are you saying that you have right. here when you bet 11-2? So when you ask that it's like the first thing that I think of is, okay, what is it going to look like to the villain who That's is right. a That's capable a great, player, great you know, who's a capable player whenever you're leading out to, because obviously at this point under the gun didn't fold yet. So now you're leading out into two people in between two people on that kind of a wet ass board. So you're going to basically scare them away and be like, oh shit, he just turned it and they're going to full fold. And you're going to lose value on that hand. And at the same time, it's like, what, what is your story saying? Now, now if you lead out and this guy has the nine ten, or he wants to act like he has nine ten or a set, now you're in a tough spot. So you're betting here for what reason again? You're betting because right. you, you're – because what? Like, you know, there you know, yeah. like, really is no point for
1: you betting in my opinion right. on that turn. That's great. Great point. So, yeah, that, that's what I was trying to get. Yeah, exactly. I'm trying to, to ask that question to get a response yeah. just like that. That's exactly the, the thinking I'm looking for.
0: Perfect. Perfect. Cool. Um,
1: so, yeah, but yeah, finishing so the hand, like, I like the flat. I would have did
4: the same thing because of the reasons we just stated. Cool. Cool.
0: Uh, so we go to the river. Uh, 56k in the pot now. So, which under
1: the gun folded, right? Yeah. Yeah. So under the gun yeah. folded, yes. right? Yeah. So, then it's just... Yeah, like, yeah. under the gun folded, hero
0: letters. flats. Yeah. Yep. Uh, 56k in the pot. River card is the three of diamonds. So, about as blank of a blank as you can get, I guess. Um, hero says he checks, and villain ships after 20 seconds for 37k. So, 37k into 56k. After 20 seconds them. he ships. Excuse me. Yeah. Which might mean more to you as a live guy than it does to somebody like me who plays primarily online. So I'd kind of like to hear what you think about the timing. Was this
4: a hand history that like you guys asked or like asked people to put in that you're going to ask me? Because this is like no, because like I like how he said that because like you're right, that is a big point that, that he took 20 seconds. You know, like it was. And but see, this is the point where I guess everything that we just talked about, like from a even though I'm not a math guy or a theory kind of a guy, like this is stuff that we can still talk about because there's numerous different ways you know, it can be viewed. But when it comes to this river call though, this is where it's like this is where I might separate myself from other players to where I'm looking at the person, how they did it, did they do it differently than they had bet? Like, you know, say, for example, this guy, when, cause, you know, because he didn't say it, but he, all right, bets 5,600. Did he say 5,600 or did he throw in 5,600? Okay, 11.2. Did he say 11.2 or did he throw in 11.2? Mm-hmm. Okay. When he bets 37K, did he say all in or did he scoot the chips, like, towards you as if he's, like, you know, like, you know, directing it towards you? Like, he's like, oh, please fold, please fold. Like, you know, that's one of the things that I see, <laughs> like, whenever people are bluffing, they, they more so like to, like, throw the chips at you. You know, I'm like, oh, shit, okay. Or, like, another little thing, um, the uh, gem of the day we can call this guys the gem <laughs> of the day when you're at a live tournament all right and a live like um you know you, like you're playing with you know with real people essentially uh so i don't know why i just had a brain fart right there but basically in a live tournament and say you're playing next to someone and like you know they're like right next to you like you know you're in the two seat and they're in the three seat or like they're in the four seat and you bet three thousand okay you throw out three one k chips someone Someone who definitely can see these, like it's not an old person, it's not dark in here, they're not at the other end of the table, they, they see the 3,000 chips that you put out there, and like, dealer, how much is that? Or they like make a remark, how much is that? Take a note to this. Whenever you hear people say that, in a, in a situation where they can very easily see how much you bet, it's, like, it's not like you bet 11 chips, and it's like, how much is that? You bet three chips. In that kind of a spot, when people say, how much is that? Watch how many times they say raise or, or, or they actually raise, meaning that whenever they say that, they have a strong hand, and they know exactly how much it is. It's just kind of like a subconscious thing like, dealer, how much is that? And it kind of makes it as if they didn't know how much it was, but really they know exactly how much <laughs> right. it is. And it's, it's, like it's not like – you know, it's not a cement tell, but I'll, so many times when people do that and – uh, it's like it's amazing. And I'm like, oh, here comes the raise and like you know, even if I'm not in the hand, I'm just like, Oh, here comes the raise and sure enough, you know, there goes the raise. And it's like these yeah. little tells and stuff that I see. So like whenever I said that, like I don't know if awesome. he said eleven two, I don't know if he just threw in the chips. Maybe he threw in like a ten and a five K chip and he says eleven two because he didn't have the right chains, like a number of things go into the overall story and what I like determine my, my, my decisions on. So this guy, like I'm reading what he says immediately, I hate my life, this is for a half rating stack, so and so. So he's thinking about all the wrong things. He, he he's thinking like shit he just put me in a tough spot or damn i hate my life and, and he's thinking about how many chips he has and well, I'm, well, i mean i guess he's not thinking about the wrong things because you got to think about this stuff as far as how much you have left and how much he's shoving for but really i'd be thinking about his story like, like yeah. i'd be thinking about what what this guy just did like hold on a second and you kind of got to sometimes like unlevel yourself meaning like okay you know he's a sick player you know he's really good so sometimes you're gonna say. Fuck, man, man! I know he's capable of triple barreling, bluffing here. I'm calling him with two pair. Like, and, and you know, it's very easy to just kind of level yourself and talk talk about it that way, and just say, "I call because you have top two pair." Oh, I got coolered. Oh, how, how does he have that? You know. <laughs> but no, like when it gets to this point, you now the whole story has been told. The final chapter is him shoving here. So now this is, like, the conclusion. Like, okay, now the only thing you can do is, like, for me, you know, this guy, I guess, doesn't seem like a talker. But at some point in this hand, I would have been talking. I would have been, like, trying to get this guy to speak. And now did did he respond to me? Did he say anything? Did he put on his shades? Did he just sit still? Did he sit there and stare at me? Like, you know, so many different things that can happen (laughs) that, like, you know, this doesn't tell me this hand history. So I can't honestly say if I hero here because, to me, uh, you know, this given action, he could have a number of hands, and now literally it goes to what had he been doing prior to this? What is our dynamic? How fast did he do it? And like all these kind of like live metagame tells to where yeah. like you know, in a nutshell, I guess we could say that um, there's only certain hands that he's repping. Like you know, there's really the only hands that he's gonna bet. Into two people, bet again into two people, and then rip on a meaningless river. Like there's only certain hands he's going to do that with. And now it's kind of like, all right, is he doing those hands with value or is it for bluffy? And in my opinion, if he's doing this for value, he would never overbet 37k into a 34k pot whenever you check called twice. It's
1: actually a 56k and, pot, so it's not, it's not 34. Oh, oh. oh, oh it's, it's, okay. All right, I'm sorry. I was looking at the one above. Okay. Yeah.
4: All right. Well. All right. Well then. All right. Yeah. Then I just messed that one up. So then in saying that, then 37k into 56 could be valuey as well. But considering, like, you know, when you look at it, and this is something that I kind of just got into recently, but if you look at the whole action for the hand, all right, he bets 56, and he bets 12, or he bets eleven-two into 34. So he bet, uh, hold on, what was the, how much was in the pot pre-flop then?
0: Uh, It was about 15. 15,
4: 16, okay, yeah, so he's sticking to the third pot, third pot. So on the flop, he bets about a third pot. On the turn, he bets about a third pot. Now on the river, he all of a sudden ships for, what is that, three-fourths pot now? Right. Mm-hmm. So in my opinion, if he's sticking to the bet bet, um, all right. Yeah. Now, you know, and like, as we've been sitting here, ranging him and like, yeah, you know, this is it. Like, as I'm thinking this, I'm just going, some of the things are going through my head because it's like, I'm like, I wish I could just kind of go back in time and be at the table right here for this. Yeah. <laughs> no, but really great <laughs>
2: really <right> hand. <laughs> yeah.
4: But like, if you're thinking about it, he bets third of the pot, third of the pot. Why would he all of a sudden go all in? Like, I mean, obviously some people go all in to look lucky, right, to get called or, but really though, in my mind, if I'm this villain and I'm a good player, the way that it looks like to me of what this guy has after he just check overcalled and then and then the guy folds and then he calls again. I'm probably putting him on a similar hand to what he has, like an ace and a flush draw, or maybe like a pair and a flush draw, or open-ended turn. Or no, I guess he couldn't have open-ended and turn a pair. Um, but, you know, like, like, you know, I'm putting him on some sort of drawy hand, basically, especially because a meaningless river came out. You check call me twice. I feel like if anybody has a value hand, like a set or two pair, you would probably hear about it. Like, you know, if I'm this guy, you know, considering mm-hmm. the way that like we played our hand. So in saying that, when he bets 37K into that pot, in my mind, that doesn't really make sense going by yeah. the whole third pot, third part, like a third pot, third pot, three fourths pot. Like, what, yeah. what are you trying to like? What do you think that we have that you're going to be able to get called by that big of a bet? You know, so in my mind, just going by what we just said, I probably would call here with this, Um, you know, and like, like, like I didn't even read, you know, the hand, I don't know what happened here, Um, but yeah, but just, just going by that kind of line, like, you know, like I said, I'm not one to really do this, but that's just one trend that I noticed where he goes third pot, third pot, then all of a sudden he goes three-fourths pot, and this is something where people who are, like, like, say he's bluffing, he doesn't even realize that he just did that trend, and I learned this from this, it was this uh, Asian guy who hardly spoke any, any English, but he called me with. It was, he called me with King High on two streets, and then the river, he like rivered a pair, and then he called again. He's like, I call you a King High there. Can I call you a King High. And like, later on, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, sir. And like, you know, this is on break. I'm like, what made you call me there with that? He's like, you're sizing. You're sizing. You bet third, third, then you bet all in. Like, it's to make no sense. Like, he said something like that, and I'm like, holy shit. I'm like, you know, this is something where, you know, an older person, like, I mean, Asians are good at math, I guess, you know, but, but like, that's you know, something that, like, you're going to think that someone's paying that much attention to. But then when he made that mark, I'm like, holy shit. Like, you know, I guess you're yeah. right because whenever I bluffed, I just went all in thinking, okay, he's not going to call an all-in bet. But then, whenever he break down the massive and he thought about it, he called with king. And like, you know, I don't know his reasons for calling with king high. Like, you know, I guess he thought he had a, a, you know, like you know, I had a draw or whatever it was. But his reasoning for why he was calling was brilliant. And I remember thinking that. And, I was, and now, since he said that, I started like looking for yeah. that trend. And I'm like, wow, this guy just did third, third, and then pot, and he was
1: bluffing. Okay, and it's like, do you, you know, do you write things. down these trends? Like like I notice these things all the time, and then I guess I forget them because you know like there's so much. Like how do you how do you work on that? Is this just the way your mind works? You just uh, kind of keep keep you know it just sticks in your mind, or is this well, something you go back and like write down and think about again? Post, well, uh, well, like post-travel. in this case right here, when we're talking about this hand. I just kind of see it because of the ma- like I'm
4: just looking at it, you know. But right. whenever we're at the table, um, pretty much. Uh, just no, just, I mean I'm, I mean I'm what you said was attention.
1: you. No, no, what I what I mean is, like, you you said this guy brought this to your attention, and you, you kind of noticed something for the first time. Like, how do you work that into your game? Is it is it something that you write oh. down and, and reflect on later, or do you just, like, all of a sudden that's something you start looking for just because that's the way your mind works? Not,
4: like like I said earlier, like like, everything happens for a reason, in my opinion. So, like, in my mind, the way I look at it was, like, I was supposed to lose that hand to this guy. <laughs> And then because of how I talk to people and just how like, you know, so many times too, which people don't do this enough, but so many like people are willing to give you so
1: much yeah, information. That you're so right. much information. so right. like
4: you know, someone wins a hand and then you like see them kinda like, you know, they're like they're like happy they won the hand, they're like like, yeah. like around for like, you know, gratification, people are like, Yo, yeah. you no, know, good job. That's the perfect time to be like, "What'd you that have?" between there, like you know, awesome even if you're advice. totally off on on, yeah. on your guests, you just make a little mark, and they like, "No, I had this," and they just flip over the hand, and just show you. Yeah, and I'm like, "Oh, <laughs> that, that's <laughs> okay. awesome advice, so, Corey. That's so, really true. I mean, true." Dude, people do that all the time, guys. Like all the time, and like and like that's how I'm like the nice guy at the table, having people laugh and stuff. But at the same time, I have. I, I can probably guarantee that I have more people show their hands at my table than anybody else that has at their table, you know, because of just like how I get the table either loosened up with through conversation or just because I picked those times to just make a little remark. And, and like, you know, I mean, it doesn't happen for all people. A lot of people will just muck and just be like, just give you a little smile. Like, ah, you know, what you like to know or, but a lot of the times though, <laughs> yeah. it's like, you know, if you're sitting at the table, why not just say a little comment, and just make a random guess, even if you're right. Or if you think you had that, just throw out a random bullshit guess, actually try to guess something that's wrong to make them want to show you their hand even more, you know, like, you know, it, it's 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 weird with different people like some people you know most of the time whenever i'm like watching a hand or like checking out the action it's more so because even if you're not in a hand you can Look at these stories and kind of get better at, at putting the other stories, you know, because that, I mean, that's what poker is. Everybody's telling a story in every hand with their chips, and their chips are tools. So if you're not in a hand and you're just sitting here watching it like, oh, okay, his story just said he had it. Oh, shit, he did have it. And now you're just sitting here, and, like, I, I can't say, like, you know, I, I don't have the best memory, but it's just when I'm at the table, I recognize these things from just prior stuff that I've watched or just, you know, whether it be a dynamic with the person that I had. Or, for example, like this right here when you said, how did I remember that – Everything happens for a reason, and I was supposed to lose that hand to this guy, and I was supposed to ask him that, so I would have a funny story right. for the podcast right now. And people, <laughs> oh shit! You know, remember that damn Asian guy that, that, that Corey told about this, and now now people might remember that because of the little Asian accent I just did. Yeah. You know, so, so, now, so Corey,
1: let me know? let me ask you this: uh, I, I uh, so my initial thought on this hand uh-huh. was was to call, um, and it was because the story didn't make sense to me, and why would he bet so big? on the flop, on on the river. I mean, he could have the nuts, but there are not that many nuts in his range. I mean, you know, I'm sure he could have a set here. He could have King-10. Probably doesn't have 9-10, but who knows. Um, But there's the way he played the hand. To me, like, the story didn't add up. But I think that's as deep as the thinking I might have gone on there, right? Like, I would have said, well, the only way he can win the hand here is if he he makes a bet. Uh Um, If he bets big, it's supposedly going to scare me, but this doesn't make sense if he has a value hand. Like... Is that far enough thinking? Am I thinking deep enough, or am I missing some of the steps that you took there to kind of come to that conclusion? Given that we got the same conclusion, but, like – I mean, I know you're not in my head, and I kind of tried to describe it. But, like, was that the right amount of thinking? Once again, not being at the table and having any sign, you know, tells to pick up on. But is that – like, how much further would you have thought than just what I did at the table? Because I probably would have called pretty quickly here, you
4: know? Um, Yeah, yeah, like, uh, I mean – Well, if you were going to call quickly, then you kind of already made your decision up on the turn. Like, as soon as you hit your top two pair, and
2: then then
4: you see, oh, wait, three of diamonds, that's pretty much as meaningless of a river as you could possibly get. Like, once you see that, you kind of already made your decision up on the turn. I I think
1: you're right. I mean, I think I'd be checking there to get him to bet the turn and bluff the river. Like, that's what I'm thinking there on the turn. Like, I'm going to check there to to make him bet and and bluff.
4: And Like, just just as a side note though, like, ever since you told me that he was, like, a sicko internet player – you can't really take nine ten suited out of his range, like you know. No, that, you're right. You're like, right. Like, you know, that's a great right. three betting hand for that kind of a player, that's, like you because right. it looks so. You know, so like that kind of a hand, and actually this kind of play would make sense for a nine yeah. ten. But my my only thing was, if he is that good of a player, you, he he should be able to recognize like. What kind of a hand do you have? Calling that's him right. twice, like we had said. So, so in my opinion, if he had that kind of hand, that that's a bad bet. Like you should go yeah. for uber value here to get uh, right. maximum value from just one pair, or obviously a hand like you have here, two pair. Where in an ideal situation you would have two pair and you would call his shove when he has the nuts, but he doesn't know that, so he should be going for pure value considering the way you played it here. You know. Okay. Yep. Um, exactly.
0: That's a good point. So yeah,
4: but but in saying that though, like. I, I think you thought about it to your best ability that you're able to think about it right now, like, like you know, at that point, because maybe, like, Maybe like you know at, you know now after talking to me maybe you'll start opening up a little bit more like you know, I never play with you live I don't think but just maybe yeah. with the whole conversation standpoint or maybe just making a little comment and yeah. not not basing your your call on pure physical tells but just adding that into it to where maybe now you can recognize like this third pot third pot now you shoved yeah. but then also recognize like hold on go back and think about how he played it pre flop wait he's see betting the two people twice so maybe he does All have right. a strong hand and just kind of piece back the hand together because along the hand you know, like you know as the hand goes on you're kind of like riding writing this story as the hand goes on but then once it gets to the end of the story and it's on you it's perfectly fine to go back and just kind of relive the story like hold on a second okay so this happened this happened this happened and maybe you missed something here, maybe you misinterpreted something to where that's why you have all the time you need on the river you know take your time think about it there's no need for you
1: to just snap call like you said fast yeah I think that's the great takeaway there because I think like you said on the turn I probably have made my decision here, and I probably would have called the river really quickly, and I probably would not have stopped to think through the hand, and I think we all need to do a little bit more of that. I think a Mm -hmm. lot of people don't take advantage of the time that you have to do that, and you probably – you know, a non-zero percent of the time, you'll pick up something that you might have forgot or you didn't see the first time around. So it's good advice. And in saying that, though, like say the river – like me, okay –
4: I would have, you know, like, you know, we, we spoke about how I would have felt on the turn, but now when this river comes out, like in your state of mind, you made your up on, you made your decision up on the turn. And now in your mind, when you say this, like you see this solely safe three of diamonds. Okay. You know, you're, you know, you said you were check calling, but you didn't really think about the amount or anything else prior to the hand. You just went ahead and just called. Right. But now just, you know, and like, I'm kind of contradicting myself because I said, I didn't want to change like what the actual hand was, but now that it's just you and him and, and now like, you know, the river was a three of diamonds, say it was a three of spades and now you hit your flush. All yeah. right now this would be a play where because I know this player and because I know he's a sicko and because I know what our hand looks like what we might have regardless of our hand is turned face up say you hit that flush there's now let's see 56k in the pot I would have done like a silly like 12k bet or 13k right. bet to where Our hand, like, you know, we know what our hand looks like to him because, you know, essentially the way we played it, it's kind of face up. Like, he should probably put us on some sort of draw possibly, and, you know, and, and like, whenever we hit our flush draw here, a lot of people would be, like, checking, like, hoping that he bets again. But if you just think about it for a second, again, not acting quickly, but think about it for a second, instead of making your mind up on the turn, now you know, okay, the river, wait, okay, so the river didn't come out. I'm just going to check call. That was your plan on the turn. River comes. It's a spade. I would be thinking, like, okay. He's probably not going to bet now because it looks like I have a flush. Let me go ahead and get uber value. I'm going to bet like a right. fourth or a fifth of the pot. At the same time, though, too, it almost looks like a blocker bet to a lot of these sicko players. So you bet yeah. a fourth of the pot and he's just going to rip on you with right. whatever the hell. You know, because it looks so weak yeah. and, and, and like you just did something that like looks fishy. To yeah, somebody. I love that play. And, you know, you just, like, created this fishy-looking, like, what? You know, you supposed to have the nuts when you bet that. What? Like, you know, and it's the same kind of thing that I get whenever I just limp buttons and shit. People are just, like, just like you know, makes their – like, turn their head, like, what the hell did you just do? It's the same kind of thing. Like, whenever you check call, check call, lead for fifth of the pot, what? I'm all in. And, you know, right. just kind of – so, you know, it's just stuff like that where don't make your – like, you know, just my advice, I guess, is don't make a decision upon the turn. Wait till the river, rethink it, rethink it again, and, uh, and then, you know, make your decision. So it's right. – Good advice. Good so, what's he end up having? I'm curious now. Uh, the,
0: uh, Hero did call, and our villain turns over Jax for us. Yeah,
4: Jack, Jax makes sense too. Like that's yeah. and, and you know like and I'm saying it makes sense. I mean, I guess any kind of a sicko would play it the same way, too. And at the same time, all right, now seeing that he has jacks, like, also, this is this kind of comes into play whenever you're rethinking it, like I said. Like, on the on the turn, instead of having your decision made up, think about it and then rethink it again, because if you thought about that, like, well, I guess he could have jacks. And now, as we go back, and now, obviously, we know what it has, so being, I guess, results-oriented, we go back and look, and this bet sizing actually kind of makes perfect sense, because flops is set with two people, you don't want to lose anybody, so okay, go ahead and bet a third, all right? Uh, You know, the turn comes, you still have a really good hand, like, obviously, you know, the queen could have brought some straight combinations, so for this guy, he doesn't want to risk too much of his chips in case you do shove, because maybe he was planning on folding jacks, but at the same time, he wants to get pure value out of there with what he feels like is the best hand, so a third of the pot bets makes sense. Now, the river comes again, Uh, river is a total brick, you didn't check-raise the turn, you didn't. the river so now he totally knows that his hand's good so he's going for what what i feel like is you know i'm going to say greedy value because in my mind like <laughs> you're not going to have that strong of a hand a lot of the time considering the way you played it to call 37k so he's going for like greedy value here where i would have probably just said all right 56 11 2 eh, 15 5 maybe with like a little speech maybe with like a little hero a little like comment to kind of lighten the mood and then get them to just snap call you know and i do yeah. a number of things to kind of like, a lot of times, like, say, say right there, when I, when I bet 15K, if I do it with, like, a little speech or, like, a little something, it kind of gets them not thinking about the hand and not thinking about the action. And just, like, 15K, and then they see, I call, and then they show, ah, and then they're like, shit. And, like, you know, they knew they were beat, but you just kind of confused them and made them not think, and they just call and give you chips, you know. it's you know And, like, that was just saying, if, if the three of spades I just thought that would be, like, an interesting uh, yeah. to talk about that because it would change totally the whole, you know, like, it would change, obviously, the whole river action, if, you know, in my opinion if right, you know,
0: this right. is me. So. Very true. Cool. That was really good stuff. Um, I think we got time to let's – let, we'll make it a quick one, but let's do one more. Yeah, that
4: one, I guess,
1: probably took longer than you guys thought.
0: <laughs> no, but, that's yeah, but that was those. a good good, one. good discussion for sure. Uh, you want to run through this one, Diego? Yeah.
1: Okay, yeah. So the next hand um, is posted by Twisted Focus, TP TPE member. Um, it is on the Merge network. Uh, it's a pretty micro stakes tournament, $2.20 tournament, 700 700- uh, dollar guaranteed, okay. uh, and they're at the final table. Uh, they're seven-handed, and um, our vi- our hero I- is uh, second hand chips with three hundred seventy-four thousand chips uh, at five thousand, ten thousand,
2: okay.
1: and the villain in this hand has basically the same amount of chips. He has about three hundred seventy-nine thousand. So they're actually the chip leaders at the table, one and two, um, and that's uh, that's the depth of the stacks. Okay, so. The villain in this hand, his name is Cannon84, and he – this is – we have some – Cannon. Cannon. <laughs> so he's, he's going to fire. Um, so he he's a bit loose and likes to flat me. This is what the uh, Twisted Focus uh, puts in there. Okay. Um, I have three and four bet him at least four times at this point, all with success. He has a 25-15 VPIP and shown that he wants to float me.
4: All right. Now, is this, huh? Like, because uh, he says it shows he wants to float me, but then it says he's three and four bet him at least four times. Yeah, so yeah. If, he, if he's floating him, then he's essentially out of position against this guy. So how is he three or four bet him out of position? Like, you know, I mean, it must have been, I guess, wherever the dealer button was, but for him to right. have that dynamic seems a little weird. Yeah. You know, I mean, if he's floating him a yeah. lot.
0: Well, I mean, he's... it's also possible on the merge network that these guys have been playing together the entire tournament. Because, oh, okay. you know, it could have yeah, been so. a 80 person field. Well,. Probably not that small because it's seven hundred guaranteed, but they definitely could have played, you know, a lot yeah. of hands. Yeah, yeah, true. Maybe even another table. Good, or, point. Right? Good point. Hard to say. And
1: uh, the villain is two to his uh, his right, I think, right? Yeah, he's two to his right. So definitely, there could be some three betting by the villain and four betting by the hero. Um, and then, like you said, given the way the button is, there could be times where he's he's floating them. So okay, so um, villain is under the gun uh, once again at five k, ten k. And he makes a 20K from under the gun, and it folds the hero in the small blind, and he has ace-jack offsuit. suit um, So first off, All I mean, what are you thinking here? We we just flatten here, or we – So he min-raises,
4: raise, right? Min-raises?
1: Yep, min-raise. Okay. And then it's the hero. So what are you thinking at this point? Is this a, you know something you want to – you what know, would you like to, to – what do you like to do here in this spot? Are,
4: are you saying, like, uh, what do I feel about what he did or what I would no, do? No,
1: which, what which you would do. Like, what do you think okay. typically um, what you think here is this
4: Now, like, okay, in saying this, like, this wasn't like the other guy uh, who kind of told me the dynamic of the table and told me, you know, right. what was, you know, actually what was going on at the table. And, like, also, too, that was a live hand history. This was, you know, this is online. So it's Probably. totally, totally different. So just kind of try to keep that in mind, you know, as we're talking about this, you know, to Absolutely. the listeners. So in saying that, though… Um, to give you my opinion, I don't know what's going on at this table. I don't know who's been doing what. Like, right. and then, and obviously, this is a two-dollar tournament, so nobody really has has like any like too crazy of scores online but a lot of times at, at final tables in like bigger tournaments um you know where it's a uh, substantial money for you know for for first place or so i like to look up Sharkscope and you can see oh okay this guy's playing for the most money they ever played for oh okay this guy's playing outside of his buy-in and then that way you can get a feel for who you can pick on who you can't pick right. on you know so i like to do that so i don't know any of this info about these players here to be to to have any of that knowledge or ha- have i you know been playing yeah. with them to see what kind of dynamics there were other than this three- or four-bet line that he said. That's
1: so, fair. Mm-hmm.
4: So, yeah, so in saying that, though, just looking at the hand, I don't ever like uh, three-betting here with an ace-jack yeah. um, at the final table. I think more so because... Uh, whenever we were going over the stack sizes, it's interesting because now the big blind has uh, just under 18 bigs, and he's a short stack at the table. So even though 18 bigs, in my mind, like you're not really a short stack at, at a final table. it's still plenty of room to work with, but he is a shorter stack at the table. So you have to think of, okay, um, if you 3-bet and he 4-bet shoves – were you planning on calling the 3-bet or, or I mean, were you planning on calling his 4-bet right. shove when you 3-bet? So you have to mm-hmm. already kind of know what you're getting yourself into when you do this. So Great in point. my mind, when I say ace-jack, I'm like, okay, well, obviously I'm going to think that I have this, this cannon guy beat maybe if he's real aggro or whatever. So I'm going to play my hand for what it is, but then you have to kind of think in the next level like, wait a second, but this guy in the big blinds behind me. So if I 3-bet, am I calling this or am I 3-betting and then folding? Like what am I doing right. here before I do it? So that's the first thing that I kind of clarify in my head. And, you know, obviously it's a much quicker – thought process than what i just explained but you know basically (laughs) i'm making that decision what i'm doing and in in this case because of this guy being in uh in the big blind i'd probably just flat here play my hand out of position not really for like an icm standpoint and and like i'm trying to kind of not think that this is a two-dollar tournament i'm thinking this is any tournament um but you know in the icm standpoint of someone like you kind of don't want to get yourself in a weird spot against the other chip leader whenever you have people who are shorter than you you know right so Mm -hmm. in that regards playing this guy out of position especially with a little bit of dynamic. And from what this guy says, like, he probably only has this this dynamic with this player as far as what he said. So in saying that for a number of reasons, because of the big blind, because of the final table, because of the fact that, you know, you two are the biggest stacks and you're out of position mainly is why i just be flatting here. So I don't ever like folding. I like flatting and kind of reevaluating on the flop. Um, I
1: agree 100%. Spot on. I agree 100% with everything you said there. But in saying
4: that, like, in saying that, though, because it's the final table and if this guy's been active, a 3-bet isn't bad if you know what you're doing the 3-bet for, though. you know. So in my opinion, if I'm 3-betting, I know that I'm 3-betting here just to take control of the hand against this guy, not so much to, like, quote-unquote, see where I stand and, like, see how you know like see how strong his hand is and, like, all those other reasons why, why people say they raise to find out where they're at. Like, that's just kind of like a lot. Yeah. You know? I mean, I don't <laughs> like saying that, basically, because I do yeah. it for you know like, everything should be for a purpose, not to find out. Like, you should be doing it for this or doing it for that. So in my mind, though, right here, if I'm 3-betting, which, you know – I'm not trying to contradict myself because my play here would be just a flat, but I'm just giving the reasons why a three bet isn't bad. If you know what you're doing it for, you just kind of got to know why you're doing it. So three betting here, obviously creating your own luck, being able to win the hand without going to a flop. So that's, you know, that's like one thing of it, but in my mind, uh, because you have this dynamic with this guy, and because he has chips, he's never going to be folding with any hand that he has to this three bet size at all. It's right. like he's yeah. like, "All oh, right, how much more? Okay, I call, I call." You know, he's never going to be folding. So in my mind, you're needlessly inflating the pot with a mediocre hand here.
1: Okay, I think it's a great spot so. for him to four bet too if, if you three bet because of the history and you have the depth where he can four bet you and still fold.
4: True, true. But at the same time, how much betting is going on at the final table of a $2 tournament? Like, you know, <laughs> I mean, in regards to, like, mm-hmm. the whole, oh, I think he's just stealing, I'm going to resteal. Like, you know, there's not too much of that going on at $2 final table. So, but. In regard, like you know, and, and again, it's just so much dependent on like the dynamic and like what kind of hands you guys have been playing before. So because we know this about him and him and the villain, it's it's just interesting because I think he's never folding to this, so he's always flatting at the same time of you're opening the door to a possible four bet. So that right. just kind of goes back to what I'm saying, like you're doing the three bet to take control of the hand, do a c bet, you know, kind of just uh, pl- play. You know, you're you're choosing to play this hand and then knowing you're going to be out of position, but at the same time, whenever you three bet, you have to realize, okay. He's probably going to flat you. You're making the pot bigger than it really needs to be. And at the same time, he could put you in an awkward spot and be four-betting you. So now are you three-betting to fold or are you three-betting to induce to four-bet, a five-bet shove? Like, you know, what are you doing this for? <laughs>
0: right. So- yeah, that's yeah. a really good point. Like, if you 3-bet here, you should probably be 3-betting to 5-bet. 3-bet exactly. to get it in. If
4: that's your plan, you, yes,
1: exactly.
0: Yeah.
4: So, in saying well, that, uh, like, you know, th- like, that whole spiel right there, it was a much longer thought process, like I said. But really, like, yeah. that's kind of everything that I'm thinking in the moment whenever this happens. But so, in
1: saying that, I just flat. Yeah. So, okay. So, he, I, I, I think I think I agree with you. And, I'm I, Derek, I think you're saying
0: you agree to him. Yes, yeah, okay. I would flat. So,
1: I don't remember if he says it later in the thread or if I'm just inferring, but... um. He does raise, and he raises really small. He three bets really small here, and I believe, you know, once again, getting back to your point of what are you doing it for? I believe he's doing that to take control of the hand and see betting as cheap as possible and taking it down because he makes it, you know, Cannon makes it twenty k, which is a min raise, and the hero makes it thirty two k, which is like one of the smallest three bets I've ever seen (laughs) in my life.
4: Yeah, but, like, was that his plan with this hand specifically, or, or has he been doing this because he right. noticed that he was folding a lot post-flop? Like, yeah, you, know, I mean, you know, it's different kind of, like, you know, which way is he, like, is it an overall thing, or was it specifically in this hand that was his his plan to take it down with this ace-jack, you uh, know?
1: I mean, from from the way he wrote it, I'm inferring that he's saying that this hand, in this specific hand, that's that's his... That's okay. His.
4: But, like, why well, yeah. not, do
1: that? Why not why do that with ace-jack where you have some value? Why not do that with, you know different you know, hands that don't have value and could flop. Yeah, yeah I agree. Flops. I agree. And so, okay, so then he calls. like yeah, he calls segment. the 12K. <laughs> yeah, he's not folding to the 12K. <laughs> uh, and so now there's 81K in the pot, and the flop is three 9-9 uh, nine, nine, um, rags. And so there's a pair of nines and three on the board, and Hero is first to act. So I assume that, uh, I mean, given our plan, um, we have to you see bet here. Um, I believe. Are you, do you, are you agreeing with that, or how would you play this? Uh, you mean given the way played? Yeah, given the way played with the 3-bet. Just with the 3-bet yeah. pre-flop, and now it's, you know, first act.
4: Well, well, I mean, uh, and like, I don't know if I'm kind of being biased now because you just told me that that was his plan, but, like, in my mind, if you're 3-betting here, you know, in order to do, like, what he said as far as building it and taking it down on, on you know, ideally a flop like this, in yeah. my mind, then... Hundred percent, you have to see bet. Like you know, right. if if, if you're not going to see bet, then you didn't really three bet <laughs> for that play. <laughs> yeah. You know, right. so so you kind of just
1: you know, yeah. Uh, you know. And you, and I think you're probably you know. getting too fancy if you do anything else, right? Like if you try to check raise to this, or yeah. like like you know delayed see bet or something like that. It's probably just mm-hmm. too fancy in a flop like this.
4: Yeah, exactly. But yeah. like something though that I would that I would already know here is okay. And you know, we're just gonna. Just just say, given the way play, just, you know, for everything that we okay. said, just, okay, go ahead, given the way play, we three bet, he flats, now the flop comes out, you have to C-bet 100% of the time, uh, but I wouldn't C-bet that big, like, there's no need for you to C-bet 35, like, you know, yeah. you just, you three bet the min, and now you're gonna right. C-bet, uh, you know, about half the pot? You right, know? that's so for
1: clarification, he bets 35k into 81k, for those uh, 30 yeah. people, yeah, Not right, yeah. those. So, yeah. so it's almost half the pot or so. Yeah, it's big. So, big, big C-bet, yep. Yeah,
4: so, like, in my mind... You know that kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier. Like you know, nice. even though this, you know this isn't on the river, but the guy bet third pot, third pot, and then shoves for three fourths. It's like the yeah. same kind of like you know logic as far as like okay, wait, you just three bet me twelve K and now you're c betting thirty five. Like oh, what what right. is, what are you saying you have? Right? Like if yeah. like in my mind, this thirty five K bet, if I'm the the uh, cannon guy, thirty five K bet on this board. Um. Uh, okay. First of all, what do you think that I have that I'm gonna call you here? Second off, if you have like a big pair. Is, you know, which is what you're saying you have here, why would you bet this big? Because if I don't have anything on this kind of dry-ass board, I'm going to fold all the time. So why would you right. bet this big? So in my mind, like, his C-bet sizing for his story preflop should be 17K you know 18k yeah. something you know something small c-betting a little bit more than than what you actually three bet pre-flop you know go ahead and doing the c-bet no need to to get the pot bigger because like not only is it about your hand like, okay yeah you have ace jack more than likely he's going to be flatting a lot of the time because you're making it so small and that like you know like for a number of reasons i feel like when you're c-betting there what does it look like you're c-betting to this guy so and then at the same time if it if, if this amount i mean betting 35,000 does doesn't look like look like anything to him if you're trying to say it looks like a value hand that bet does not say it's a value hand right Absolutely. there to him, you know? Yeah. So mm-hmm. in my opinion, you got to bet small to stick with your pre-flop story. Your story did not coincide with what you said pre-flop, you know? Like, you know, as all if right. you were reading a novel and you're like, okay, Johnny goes to the so-and-so to do this, and then all of a sudden Johnny's in Mexico. Like, wait, what the hell? Johnny was just doing? <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, like, what the hell was that? Like, that your story doesn't make any sense. It was kind of like, uh, like that's, that's what
2: that, that's that's what awesome. that flop <laughs>
4: bet says to me. So, um, yeah. but yeah, and then then also, because this guy, um, and like, you know, I'm only going by what he has to say here, but he says that he – like this even points more to what I'm about to – like the point I'm about to bring up. He says that he's shown that he wants to float me. So if he shows that he wants to float you – Maybe that's why he was betting bigger, because he, you know, because this guy likes to float, so he's like, all right, shit, if I bet bigger, he's not going to float me at this time. And that was his, maybe his reasoning on why he bet bigger on the flop, which I can understand totally. But at the same time, though, if this guy isn't that good and this guy's floating you, he's not looking at the bet sizing like, oh, he bet half pot, okay. You know, this guy's looking at it like he's just floating, he wants to see another card. Like that's a floater. He has, you know, he's not floating because of pot odds or because of you know this amount of chips or so and so. If This guy's shown that he's wanting to float you. He's floating you if you bet a third of the pot or if you bet half the right. pot or th- you know, like he's just floating you. So in saying that, you don't need to bet this much uh, twisted. Um, so. But because you did though, and because you even said it yourself that he likes to float you, when you see bet here, in my mind I'm already thinking on the turn on this dry board, and I see bet, and I know he likes to float. Okay, if I bet this big, that means that I have to bet this big on the turn, and that's saying like you know, because obviously like you have no pair, no showdown value, so you're turning your hand straight up into a bluff, and you know that. And on the flop, you should know that. Okay, he's gonna float me. All right, I gotta be prepared to bet twice. So, if you're going to be prepared to bet twice, this would be kind of like where I was talking about the wiggle room in a stack.
1: Yeah. So, this
4: guy. he knows he started the hand with 37 bigs. All right, he uh, chooses to three bet. So he's like, all right, hold on, 37 bigs. Yeah. So so say this is me, and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna give myself 17 bigs of, of like wiggle room. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm a, you know I'm comfortable with you know with working with 20 bigs, 17 bigs of wiggle room. So say like this is one of those spots where I was like, okay, I'm gonna get a little tricky with Ace Jack, build the pot, so and so. If I did that, all right, say I did three bet for whatever reason, I would definitely not bet 35. I would probably be, like I said, 17 or 18. But I have to know that since he floats me a lot, I'm betting 17 or 18, and then I know that I'm gonna bet 29. To thirty-five yeah. or so ish on the turn, still sticking with the same story. No need to bet a lot. It looks like I want him to call, and if he doesn't have anything, he's going to fold. If he does, he is going to call, and then we're going to shut
1: down the river unless we improve. Yeah, and I think it, you got you, know, uh, you know, I think you got. I think you got to assume it's going to take two barrels to get him off the of Like you have to. Yeah, I mean, he even that. said
4: he always likes to float, so you have right. to
1: assume that. You, have if you already know that. Set yeah, the size appropriately. I think you're spot on with what you're saying there. It makes perfect yeah. So sense to in me.
4: saying that, you know, you bet in thirty-five and making the pot huge, knowing he's going to float you a lot of the time, and then you're putting yourself in the tough spot because, all right, if you bet this big and he calls, are you just giving up on the turn? No, you got to bet to win. So instead of doing that, bet eighteen and bet thirty, and you're going to save yourself, uh, you know, about what is that, forty or fifty k in chips right here, which are crucial right. whenever you're seven handed at a final table. Mm-hmm. So.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. You'd save like forty-five k in chips by betting. Yep. Like. 18 and 30. And that all
4: far. goes, though, to you knowing what you were going to do. Essentially, pre-flop, you know what you're going to do. But then on the flop, seeing the board texture and stuff, you know, because obviously if it was Ace Jack something, you might do a little bit betting because you want him in there. Right. So right, so sure. in my mind, like, you kind of have to act like you do have it to match up with the story what you're trying
1: to tell this That's guy, right. you know? Yep. So. That makes perfect sense. Okay, so, uh, so Cannon does call, mm-hmm. and um, we go to a turn, and so... That's a king of diamonds on the turn. So just to remind everyone, uh, it's three of diamonds, nine of clubs, nine of hearts, and king of diamonds. So two diamonds out there. The pot is 150K. Um, so how much do we have behind now, effectively? There's uh, 32 preflop from each stack, and there's 35. Oh, 300? About 300? Yeah, that's right. About 300 behind, and the, 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 the pot is 150K. So now it's here. So we got a double. Our, or do we, you know, given how big we bet, and then he called us? Do we make, make us or do we just continue on with the plan? What, what are your thoughts? Um, well, you
4: kind of just cut out there for a second. I didn't. know oh.
1: yeah, you did. Oh, okay, sorry. No, I was. What I was asking was, you know, at this point, I think we have to. I mean, I think it's going to take the second bet to get get there. And, and as played. Yeah, I mean I I I hate the fact that it has to be so big, but as played I think you have to put a you know, you put a a, a second bet in there and um and he bets 60k and I think that's actually a decent size for you know, it's a, it, maybe maybe I don't know what, what your thoughts are, but that seems like a good size for the turn bet here. Um because that's a serious enough bet where the guy has to start thinking about, you know, what this is going to cost This is building almost a pot sized bet on the river or this pot size bet on the river. So thoughts?
2: It,
4: In saying that, though, uh, you know, like uh, a lot of times, too, um, and I wouldn't say it's kind of like in this spot, but like a lot of times, like more so live, like say someone gets themselves in an awkward spot and then they bet and they're like, shit, they called me. And now yeah. the turn comes out, and they know they have to bet again because they can't win the hand. But they don't want to like risk too much, so they're like, uh, "All right, I'll do." And then they like make a little bit bigger of a bet than they did on the flop. Right. And so many other times, it's like, "Oh, he doesn't have shit." Do a little quick right. back raise. They snap fold. And it's just something that you pick up on because of like you know you got the vibe that he didn't want to bet that much, but now and, right. and you know it's kind of like like the same kind of concept whenever uh, you know an amateur player it gets folded around to him. Oh, well, I don't have a hand, but I, I know I'm supposed to raise from the button, so let me just go ahead and raise. And it's like that kind of vibe. Like, it's the same thing. Like, this guy, when he bets, got called. All right, I got to bet again. And then yeah. he doesn't want to risk too much, so he just bets a little bit more. It's the same kind of thing. But now whenever we were looking at um, at the sizing, though, okay, he pre flop, he clicked it back on you. Then on the flop, all of a sudden, he goes to almost half pot. Now on the turn, when, yeah, it did change stuff if you could have, like, you know, because really – Really on the flop, if you're representing that you have like an ace-king, you know, kind of a hand specifically, I guess, and now the turn comes, now you bet again, now the guy, say, say this, you know, the uh, cannon guy um, is flatting you with any pair or some sort of showdown value, and then the turn comes, this could be one of those turns that like, you know, obviously uh, the hero is trying to rep this king because he doesn't have it, so he's trying to rep it. So whenever he's repping it, though, you kind of want to rep it a little bit better than that, you know, and, yeah. and, and in my opinion, if you're betting almost half of the pot on the flop, you got to kind of bet almost half of the pot on the turn. And, you know, and and like that's just kind of how I think as far as like, you know, the bet sizing and stuff. But again, this is something more so that I find live than I do online because online it's so much easier for someone to just like click a button or just move the mouse over. So really a lot of uh, less experienced players like like this guy, for example, he probably had no idea what he was. Uh, like, like, well, I mean, like, not gonna say no idea, but he probably wasn't aware that okay, if I bet this, then then there's gonna be this much in the pot, and then I'm gonna have to shove the river, you know, to do this because of what, like, you know, he's probably not even thinking to the river action and how much he has left according to what's in the pot and and so forth. So, you know, in saying that, it's just like on this turn. Given the way he played it, I would have liked to see a bigger bet to rep that king because now you're betting less than half the pot. And now, now say he keeps, he chooses to flash you with any type of like you know just picture cards and he happen to turn a flush draw, or still any pair that he's just a non-believer. 60k is not going to give him the fold, but maybe like a little bit close to a, a half pot size, like you did on the flop. That'll that'll make a non-believer a believer. You know, That's a good point. So it's yeah. you know a lot of different things, but at the same time, like overall, it still it's still tough for me because you know. I don't know the vibe of this table, where, yeah. you know, like, you know e- like everything that I said prior. But just looking at the the sizing amount, you know, and obviously, you know, we see his hand, so I know he doesn't have shit. But if you were to like – like if you didn't tell me I had ace jack and I just kind of look at this bet sizing, especially after what we talked about in the prior hand, I would say, no, he's probably bluffing here. That yeah. doesn't make any sense. You know, yeah, credit, I, you know, I, I'm kind of
1: not giving Cannon credit for that at all. I'm kind of just thinking Cannon's going to be straightforward and fold the turn if he's just floating here. I guess that's, that's what I'm thinking, and maybe that's given – not enough credit to the player here, um, but unless he shows me otherwise, I would nope. just kind of think he'd fold here um, most of the time. But not understand so you. Just says I like... would play this way against you. <laughs> so, so, so you're just saying so basically
4: if you're if you're uh, the hero, then when you're barreling here, it it really doesn't matter what the amount is. You're just kind of barreling, just going ahead and like putting in the a double barrel to get him to fold. Not yeah, I,
1: yeah. I mean, I would want to do a non suspicious size, right? So I wouldn't do like. You know, 60 even you would do before like fifty or something. Well, yeah, oh yeah, I always do that. But I also wouldn't do like twenty k because I think that would be suspicious. And I wouldn't do hundred k because like even bad players come, like will think then, Wait a minute, was that big? Was that yeah. big? That mean not, not that they have the balls to call all the time, but I, I would just kind of do what feels like standard and kind of kind of keeps them in like like what the standard flow without making them think too much, right? Mm-hmm. Like I don't want to yeah. wake them up and make them start thinking about the hand. I want it to just kind of be like on autopilot. And, yeah. Yeah, like, yeah I understand what you mean. about. That just kind of like here. bet.
4: Okay, he's going to float me. All right, bet yeah. again, and he, and he should be folding here.
1: That's so, right. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. And yeah, then and kind and of ho- ho- catch him in that flow.
4: Yeah, and that makes sense. And, like, you know, and, again, I guess being in, in like, you know, I know there's the argument of, like, every tournament you should play the same, but really – No, because a two-dollar tournament is going to be different than like a high roller that I play or something. Like the players just play different, so you have to kind of cater to them and and adjust to those players. So in this sense, your point I think is is brilliant right there because at this kind of level, no one's probably going to be thinking as regards like like what I just is like hold on a second, you bet almost half pot now you bet less than half pot like you know no one I don't think and like. you know, I guess I can't say no one, but I feel like most of the people are not going to be thinking on that level here. So in that regards, what you said is is totally fine. I feel like you know, bet and then bet again, just kind of not really thinking about the mound or not putting too much thought in it. Just a matter of just a double barrel to get him to get off of whatever hand he has. So. That,
1: that's right, and I would absolutely hundred percent play it differently in a you know against you or or in a higher stakes tournament. Mm-hmm. But but yeah, no. But I love the thought process that you went through because against a good player, I think it's a great great way to think through the hand. <laughs> um, all right, so hero bets sixty k into one hundred fifty k, and cannon calls again. So now we got two hundred seventy k in the pot. I think we have like two forty left. Um, we get to the river, and the river's four hearts. So now now that the board is um, three. G, nine, nine, king, four, with two uh, diamonds, no uh, other connections there, and it's on our hero, and um, I mean, okay, so my question to you is, is this, I think the standard thinking here is that you probably want to rip it, because you're repping, and the only way you're going to win this is, is if you put, if you, if you, if you bet, but, well, did know. we figure out how
4: much he had left? Because yeah, after two the two turn, 40K. there's now 270 yeah. in the pot, right? And he has yeah, 240?
1: They, they, okay. He has 240K left. So, you know, this, I think the standard thinking here is, like, you have to bluff the river. You know, if you want to stay, but you have to bluff the river, and you have to bluff it pretty big to yep. rep the, the through balls, rep, rep your hand. So is it worth doing that, Corey? Is it worth or, – or do you just give up here and you say, you know, I don't want to put my tournament on the line for this in this, with this line, maybe I mean, mistakes in the first two. Or do you just say I got to go with this because that's what I need to do? You know, the right thing to do to win this hand most of the time.
4: Yeah. Well, um, all right, well, a couple points. Like overall, I would never be in this spot because I would yeah, never have played this this way <laughs> yeah, with yeah, the Ace yeah. Jack. You know, like like you know, I'm not trying to you know say that. Well, I mean, just in general, I would never be putting myself in an awkward spot with this with the ace jack like that to make the pot even get this big. So, right, Fair that enough. never would happen, you know, o- overall. Just like, you know, ne- no one should be putting themselves in this spot and finding yourself triple barreling, bluffing against the only guy who really has you right. covered at the table whenever you're second in chips with six or seven right. left. You
1: well, know, well that, that's a good enough reason. I mean, you're right. I mean, what you just said right there is you really should not be putting yourself in that position.
4: Yeah, exactly. Right. And like, you know, this is kind of like my my uh, you know, this would be a good example of you're you're trying to force something here. You know, you're yeah. like straight up yeah. trying to force something. I don't know if it like a ego thing, but like like actually, you know, because your question was, you know, should he should he be shoving? And given the way he played, yes, he should always be shoving because right. That's
0: what I'm saying, right?
4: You you, act, you like is this like am I reading this
0: right? Is this 10,000 did he bet on the river?
4: <laughs> they <didn't wanna>,
0: <laughs> He did the patented big dog min so you bet 10k
4: okay i wasn't sure that was if i was missing a couple zeros that was 100 all right well first i thought that was 100k um so so uh, well the point that i was going to make when i thought that that was 100k was remember what i was saying earlier about someone who bets and then they're like they don't really want to bet again but they know they have to so they just bet a little bit more just because they feel like they have to that's kind of the same thing here like he bets 35 oh he calls bet 60 oh he calls all right right, i got a bet to win and then they just bet again 100k but they don't think about what are you representing? What do you think that right. he has? What are you trying to get to lay down? Like, like, they don't think about anything. They're just like, bet, bet. Oh, I can't win. I got to bet again. And they don't really put much more thought into it. That, that's when I was thinking it was 100K. So 10K, right. that's just silly. Like, you know, I, I mean, obviously, <laughs> I, I mean, obviously, the guy's calling you with anything he has. So I'm not sure what that was. But um, that was just, I think, his need to want to click a button. And he, he just didn't want to risk that much.
2: <laughs> so he, but, you know, <laughs> you know
4: but, right. but really, yeah. So uh, overall, um I would never have got myself in that spot but but like I said given the way he played I would have bet the flop and because he likes to float me I definitely would have bet the turn but I would have bet more on the turn and I would have known that if I got called again and I didn't improve then I'm giving up on the river there's no need okay, to that, put any more chips at risk
1: that that was my question cuz like yeah. the right I mean the, the way to win this pot and I think you know maybe not at a final table or I don't I don't know you know what the quali- right qualifier is but shoving is the probably the the, the right ri- river completion of this line but you know, do you, is it worth it? Can you just can you just give up no. here and say yes. you know? Okay, yeah. all right. That's Absolutely. what I think there. That's, <laughs> that's what I think there, and I don't like, know if that's that then, weak or not.
4: Event, yeah, but then like a lot of people are like, but I mean, there was like five hundred or there was like two hundred seventy k in the pot. I had to be, like so and so, and people were just getting so much about how much was in the pot, or like you know, people cracked me up too, like on the river. All right, on the river against like the tightest player at the table or something, and they call you twice or you know, however it ends up happening, and then the river comes out and then someone bets, and then you're sitting here and you literally know your beat. Like what You even say, like, man, I know you got the flush, or man, I know you got me beat, or man, I know my pair's no good. You know your beat, but because of the pot odds of what people say, like, oh, I had such good odds to call. I had such good odds to call. Alright, where are the odds, though, if your hand loses? You know, if your hand's beat, <laughs> What odds right. are there for you calling here? Now I understand <laughs> if it's like on the flop and there's two cards to go, or it's pre-flop and you have like six to one with the nine four off suit or something. Something like that is where you have odds. But on the river, when it comes yeah. to a river call and the guy bets whatever into whatever, and you know you're beat, there are no odds in a losing hand. All right, just go ahead and put that out there. So yeah. in saying that, like you know, like that that I guess line doesn't really apply to this hand overall. But just in saying that, you know, um, yeah, like there is no such thing as like uh, you know pot odds whenever you're beat, in my opinion. You know, something people yeah, just like, you know, point. like, like, you know, say it's a big tournament or it's like an end game decision. And like, you know, I do this to people, like people who I know play mats. Like, for example, with Brian O'D heads up in the six max, right? There'd be like a million something chip pot, and I'm betting 100. hundred am betting like a tenth of the pot with top pair. Try, like, like knowing what kind of hand I'm trying to get called by. And I figured that uh, that he was not going to call me any more than 100k with his bottom pair. And sure enough, I'm right. And it's just like you have to be able to range him and then bet accordingly to what you want to happen. So right here, when he bets 35, 60, and then 10. Okay, obviously the guy's never folding, so you want him to call you there with 10K. You don't right. want him to call you there with eight. With, with, you know, like right. you have ace high, what do you want him to call you with? So in order to win the hand, you got to bet bigger. You know where yeah. you know it's like vice versa. Like say I thought the guy had absolute air, absolute absolute air, and I'm just value betting with like pocket fives here. I'm like, oh well, he's not going to call much more. I don't want to risk too much. Let me just bet like 20K, and I would do something silly like that. But that's for uber value. This guy obviously bet 10K. I I don't know if he misclicked it and he meant to check and he at 10K. I'm not sure how that happens, yeah. you know, but, but just I'm, overall, like, you know, you have to kind of be able to range your opponent properly to know what these bets are trying to do. So when here, you know, I'm just going to take this 10 K bet out cause I can't even make sense of that. Like that's like, <laughs> yeah, I know. I don't, so, really, I don't really understand. Yeah. So
0: <laughs> I think that really is the big dog bin back. Cause Casey actually does that sometimes. Like he would, well, yeah, but like he does it with what bad. kind of hand
4: though? Not an ace jack.
0: No, no, a hand with some value. Yeah. Like he might do it with like ace four here. Yeah, exactly. Like he was bluff three. bluffing
4: and now he's just kinda like it, it it's almost like a block bet, but at the same time it could be as a value bet, but you don't need to bet big because you know, because you only have X amount of showdown value or like whatever yeah. it is.
0: But it's almost like a level bet. It's just kinda like, well I'll just confuse him into just calling but I wanna but I wanna not get blown off the hand by checking and having the guy bet half pot or something, so I'll just bet min.
4: Yeah, <laughs> and and at the same time though, if you if he would have realized, like, okay, the guy's never gonna fold. I have ace jack high. It's not like I'm not value betting this. With, with this, he, he calls me twice. I'm not value betting with ace high here. Mm. I'd, I'd be, you know, I'd shit my pants if he was value betting ace high. You know, and then and then it was right. But you know, so in saying that, though, he's not value betting this. He's definitely gonna get called. And in terms of, you don't like a lot of times, it's almost better to like, um, like say. Say sometimes like you know you know with the whole argument I just said about someone saying they have odds and wanting to call. Sometimes I might just call because I have like like say it's like a small small price to my stack. Not not in regards to the pot and like the odds I have there, but it's in terms of me giving up one or two big blinds to be able to see how a person played a hand or see how they look when they have a strong hand or okay shit he does block bet here with that. For me to give up that amount of my stack, not the odds for the pot, but the odds that I have in my stack um, traded for the information that I got from this person. Then I'll do that. You know so in that case right right. right here though when he bets and knowing he's going to get called if this guy has absolutely nothing he's going to call the 100k just to see what he has you know and it's the same kind of thing with this like on the flip side of that when the hero bets 10k i would never even give him another cent that's like you know like you know whether it be because you bet because you don't want to have to check call a bet or whatever like i would kind of in my mind when I bet this turn, knowing that I'm giving up, I would check hoping that this guy bets so I can fold so he doesn't see what hand that I just bet twice. With, you know, and
0: <laughs> that's a good you know, point. Like, literally,
4: I'm checking like, please bet so you don't got to see my hand. And that's kind of something that I do live too. Like literally, I'll play a hand a certain way. And maybe I'm giving up on a hand. Maybe I'm doing something like this, and I'll do something a certain way to where I don't even got to show my hand. And you know, these people, whenever I'm making a little comment or making a little joke or having them flip over their hand or you know doing something like where I call them, to, you know, to get to see their hand, all this stuff is like all for information that helped me later, or all for setting, a, you know, setting up a dynamic that will help me later. And it's, it, you know, it's all for a purpose, and it's just a matter of like this guy, all going back to the 3-bet. If he would have just thought, like, yo, why am I 3-betting here? That would have changed the whole way this whole right. hand played out if he would have just realized, mm-hmm. why am I doing this first? You know, so
0: yeah, good point. if you guys yeah. can get
4: into that, you know, and and you know, I mean, you specifically, but you know, just people in general, anybody listening to this, get into that habit. Like, just you know, why am I doing this? What am I doing this for? Is there a purpose? Like, just kind of think ahead. And if you think ahead, it literally would make poker so much easier. You know, even and something else too. And like, you know, I'm going on a ramble again, but whenever people like you know some people like whenever they bluff or like you know they just have such crazy live tells because they're like you know you see them betting and if they have it or if they don't have it they're just like so nervous like you just see them shaking and like i think this is primarily um introverted people for the most part who just want to play poker live but they are more comfortable not around people like you know that's why i find like this kind of trend that you know that i find to, to really take place but in a sense whenever someone's betting and it, whether it be for value or just you know being in the hand they're just naturally nervous you know they're just nervous people that kind of um you know like that kind of player uh whenever they're like naturally nervous um i feel like in in your head mentally i'm trying to like figure out the best way just to describe this like in your head if you know that you're doing this like for example with the ace jack here you know okay i'm three betting um and I know he's going to call already. So in your head when you 3-bet, it takes out all the anxiety of that right there because you know, all right, I'm 3-betting, he's going to call. You already know what's going to happen. You already kind of told yourself what's going to happen, so now you're ready for it. The same thing with on the flop. Okay, I'm going to see bet any flop, probably shut down the turn unless I improve. You already know what you're going to do, so now the flop comes out. You do what you already know you're going to do and then reevaluate. And, like, literally, if you know what you're going to do before you do it and then do it, It makes poker so much easier instead of like you needlessly betting and then someone raises like, oh, shit, wait, what am I going to do? Because you didn't think about it before, Mm -hmm. so you just bet and now you're like, holy shit, I didn't think about that. Wait, he raised me now. Like, you know, and and it kind of goes back to what I was saying with Ari Angle. Like I already knew how I was going to approach him because I knew he was going to put me in tough spots. So it's the same kind of thing with this. If you know what you're doing ahead of time and you do it. It just takes literally. I find especially live because you know online you're just clicking a button. It's not so much anxiety, you know, unless like you're sitting there holding your breath, like oh, is he gonna call? Is he gonna call? Like you know, (laughs) something like that is really all we get online. But live, you're dealing with people. They're looking at you. They're staring at you. That natural anxiety that you have in the hand, you know, and and like even I still get it too, you know, just because like you're dealing with people, all you know, like the whole time. So. Something that I found that helps me though is if I just know what I'm doing and what I'm doing it for, and then what I'm gonna do if X happens, it it takes it takes all the anxiety and stress out of the game because now I already know. It's like you know, it just Mm -hmm. I don't know how really else to describe it. Like you know, I hope that made sense, but it just no,
0: it makes total sense. So for
4: me, you know, like if people can start getting into that routine, like even if you're not in a hand, like say you're watching a hand, just. Like, you know what I like to do is, like, say I'm watching a hand, like, okay, and then I'm like, all right, what would I do if I attended this spot? And then I visualize what I would do if I was this person in this spot with this hand. And, like, you know, if you're at the table, literally, you know, most people are watching a movie or fucking playing on their phone or texting people or doing Twitter updates, you know, I – I uh, do that stuff mainly on breaks, and for the most part, the only time that I'm, that I'm looking at my phone is if I'm either making a note about a mistake that I made or if I'm changing the song on my iPod. That's the only time I really look at my phone. Every other time, I'm literally looking at the table and just me being creative and just ADD, I'm like, okay, if I had 9-8 suited here, I, like you know what would yeah. I do? And, I, and, I, and I'm just like, looking at the person, playing the hand vicariously through them with a the made-up hand that I have in my head, and that helps me just see <laughs> so all types a, of different scenarios even yeah. when I'm not in a hand.
1: You know? That's a great practice. I, I do that too. I think it, it's like a training site in fact, yeah. <laughs> it's live. You know? like, yeah, it's live. Like it's great. Like you, 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 don't have to. You, you should be, like you should be looking for opportunities to think strategically and like new situations that you know with the without the pressure of being in the hand. Mm-hmm. Like you can actually think objectively, and it will help you. You know, learn some new stuff yeah. or or just you know become better. I, I mean, I really That's, like that advice. That is a great idea.
4: That is a great point, the way you put that, too, because, like, you know, I didn't think about that while I was saying it. But, you, you know, when you're at the table and, like, whenever you're not in the hand, you always know exactly what the player has. Oh, oh, oh yeah, yeah, they screen right here, right? But whenever you're in the hand, you don't have the same perspective as you do whenever you're out the hand. And you're like, yeah. oh, I know it. But then you're in the hand, you're like, shit, it's much easier whenever I'm just looking at it. Cause, yeah, right. You, you know, no because – and, and exactly. And I feel like that is specifically what I was talking about. Whenever you know what you're going to do and you take that pressure and that anxiety off of you because you already right. know, then you're able to see the hand from a totally different light and be able to like. Reevaluate yeah. each specific play because you're looking at it from that standpoint, or you know, from from that viewpoint. Instead of, oh, I'm going to bet. Uh, I don't know what he's going to do, but let's see. And then you know, instead of having that approach, <laughs> you already know what you're going to do. It makes the game so much easier.
1: And so I think cheesy. it's it's good to do that. Especially, or, I mean, it's always good to do that. But like part of live, especially if you don't play all the time, which you know, I think a lot of listeners, you know, they're not touring the circuit, so they play one tournament every month or two months or three months. And you got it takes a little while to get back in the swing of it. Right. It's just you yeah. got to get a feel for the game. You have to get at the table. You have to like, Absolutely. you know, the first couple of hands are a little tense, a little anxious. And so by fully evolving yourself and everything that's going on at the table, you get to that sort of status, that status of of calm much faster, I believe. I believe exactly. can, and, do
4: that and 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 not to mention whenever I'm in when I'm in my full element I'm at the table I'm chit-chatting with people I'm just loving life having right. fun like like have and, and you know too cuz there there there's people who play poker and they're just so whether it be like Petrified or worried or just like sweating the money or just stressed or tilted, whatever the you know the actual emotion is. There's people who play the game and believe it or not, they don't have fun. Like you know, I'm not gonna yeah. name any names, but there's people who just are you know, like I said, just being whether it be negative or just like oh why, why go play poker? Today? I'm just gonna get too outed on the river and just you know right. people just thinking like that <laughs> you know. And like my element is me at the table helping other people have fun, and you know at the same time them having fun makes the game easier for me because now I'm just taking the chips you know. But at the same time, me having fun and kind of, um, promoting that to the table is just like, you know, like, I mean, I love poker. I love the relationships that you can deal with people and like, you know, how you can be creative in your thought process and how it's so like dependent on the person and what they're thinking at that moment. And just like, you know, I love it. I, I absolutely love it. And like, just even talking about it, gets me so excited. Like,
2: you know, like I'm
4: just sitting here, like, you know, if you could see me, you know, I'm a, you know, I'm Italian, like, you know, you know, granted I have some Norwegian in me from my dad, but I'm I'm Sicilian. Like my mom's 100, percent and like my whole family's Italian. So I talk on my hands a lot. If you guys are seeing right now, like my hands are flying left and right when I'm talking right
1: here. <laughs> I mean,
4: like, this is great.
1: Well, you know what, Kari, I think on that note, let's wrap. Um, it's been a long podcast, but I think a great one. I love the, the hand talk and your energy, enthusiasm for the game. Um, you're a great rep of TPE. We really, really appreciate what. you're Doing out there, and this was really, really, I really enjoyed the conversation. Really, thanks, man. Me too. Stuff. It was
4: fun. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the three. It yeah. says three hours on my thing, and that like <laughs> flew by. Whoa! It flew was, by. Like, three <laughs> hours. Yeah, I went out to go get a drink, and like all the lights are off, and John's sleeping. I'm like, holy
3: shit, <laughs> <laughs> two in the morning. Whoa.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what happened? that was cool. cool. <laughs> well, for everybody out there listening, uh, make sure you follow Corey on Twitter at Wild Wild
3: <laughs> Wild
0: Wild W I L W-A-A-L-A-N-D um, keep up with him entertaining Twitter and of course you'll be able to keep up with him with all his live action and all that good stuff so uh, so do that and yeah thanks again Corey very much appreciated we'll take a quick break and we'll come back and we'll wrap things up here on the TPE podcast Yeah, thank you guys for
4: having me too and I appreciate everybody listening and I'll see you at the tables awesome
0: Welcome back to the Tournament Poker Edge Podcast. Big thanks to Corey for stopping in. Fun to have him on for the first time. The man can talk. <laughs> <laughs> we just pressed record and I went out I got some food.
1: Um. <laughs> I did my laundry. Yeah. Yeah. It was good
0: though. It was kind of cool to hear, you know, his backstory, yeah. and he's he's obviously a motivated, inspired yeah. guy, uh, and and I think that shines through in his like enthusiasm level. But um, yeah. smart thinker too about poker, which came through I think really well in the strategy. Yeah, side. I
1: really enjoyed the poker conversation there. I think <clears throat> I love the start process. I mean, it, it was just really, I thought it was solid. I mean, I know, yeah, you know, like, I know he does things non conventionally, but it seemed. Pretty solid to me, and I I really enjoyed the conversation. Like like I liked the way we talked about poker there, right? Like the way we talked about hands and what we were going to do. Yeah, and he was really great at explaining his thought process, so this was, was great.
0: Yeah, especially coming from uh, a little bit of a live background, you know, he kind of adds that yeah. extra dynamic. That's right. To That's right. That. Um which is cool, you know, kind of, it, well, especially with the World Series coming up. You know, give people a little primer on what to look for in terms of maybe some tells, yep. some betting patterns, things like that. So yeah, really enjoyed it. So he got me even more uh, excited you. to go play live. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I was like excited enough, and he got me more excited to go play live. It was cool. Yeah, yeah, can't wait. Um, so yeah, the, again, thanks to him, and uh, let's talk a little bit about what's going on with TP.
1: Yeah. So Corey's, um, Corey's first series, which was a twelve parter, um. Just ended, uh, and so you can get that if you liked his strategy talk here. You can get that um, if you haven't watched it yet; it's there. Uh, and uh, Casey Jarzabek had a series that just ran a live sweat. Um, so people always love Casey's uh, Big Dog Pocket Fives videos. And back to back heavy hitters, Ben Warrington has a live sweat that's up right now. Um, yeah, and uh, and there's a renowned queen hand that. I've seen people tweeting about today um, in, that, in that series, so you want to check that out. I think, what is the 16-minute mark there?
0: Yeah, I believe it was almost exactly at the 16-minute mark, yeah. and it's a pretty cool hand. Yeah, so, so. That,
1: that'd be worth checking out. Um, a lot of buzz around that hand. And uh, and the Ginger 45 has a non-standard um, video life coaching for poker players, which you know I knew when we got, when we accepted and posted that, there would be some detractors on that, but mm. for the most part, it's been pr- it's been really positive reviews i mean it's not poker strategy it's not hand strategy but it's i think a lot of life strategy that's applicable to poker players and um it's worth a worth a worth a worth a watch um yeah especially yep. if you're making a living at poker and um you know you need to understand how to manage life
2: <laughs> um, yep. he's
1: really good at it he's a smart guy and pretty well put solid put together kind of Individual, so um, for sure. your 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 podcast
0: mistress, I may I may say. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I should I should point out for people listening. If you're looking for another poker podcast to add to your rotation, uh, check out Midstakes Living. We're two episodes in. Uh, just a little a side project, if you will, that me and Ginger have been working on, um, and it's pretty cool. I, I won't go into a lot of detail about it, but um, if you enjoy poker and especially playing tournaments, and you know maybe trying to make a living at it, or or Work your way up stakes or whatever. Check that out. Yep. It's uh, it's a good listen. You can find it at uh, tournamentpokeradge.com com or just search "midstakes living" on iTunes. It's
1: in my podcast rotation, sir. Yes, I hate it.
0: I hate it <laughs> my podcast Phew. Do you listen?
1: To- Joe Rogan well, I, got the. I was going to ask you if you listen to these, but I know you do the editing, so you do listen to these. I, I I typically don't. I like I maybe listen to a little bit of it, but I can't listen to myself for hours talking.
0: So, okay. Yeah, I used to, <laughs> and and I'm kind of the same way now. Like because I listen to it when I when we record it yeah. and I listen to it again when we edit it. And then by that time I'm like tired of hearing my voice <laughs> and really tired of hearing your voice. So. <laughs> oh, so that's the reason you ran. I <laughs> <Let's> see. <laughs> oh no, I'm tired of his voice too. Trust me. <laughs> uh, Good. We're so all fun. tired of you. So is everything, everything? Yeah. Uh, well, I'm, I'm sure with the length of this podcast, everybody <laughs> listening gets tired of it too. So let's wrap it up on that note. Uh, absolutely. Um, yeah, so again, thanks, Corey. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, good luck out on the grind, whether you're playing online or live. Hopefully this has been a good podcast for you, and we'll be back with another episode episode very soon of the Tournament Poker Edge podcast.
1: Countdown to the WSOP.
0: It is on. All right. See you, everyone.
1: Whelan! <laughs>
3: Takes his place Fold them let up hit me Raise it, baby, stay with me Lock it. and intuition Play the cards with babes to start And after she's been hooked I'll play the one that's on her heart A little gambling is fun when you're with me. I love it. Russian roulette is not the same without a gun. And baby, when it's loving it's not rough, it isn't fun, fun. Oh.